Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the Rip City Drive. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing. From your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Oregon's going to win it. The Ducks are going to the Final Four. 3.6 seconds to make it official, but you can book your tickets. Jacksonville inbound, and that's going to do it. 2-1. Final score, Final Four. Oh, they sound good together. 78 years since Oregon has had this good of a chance to win a national championship, and they will be one of four teams left. Oh, yeah. It is the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. The emotion in Jerry Allen's voice says it all. This was a great weekend to be a sports fan in the Northwest. Travis, the Ducks making their first trip to the Final Four since 1939. At that time, there were only 48 states. Gonzaga finally got over the hump and made it to the Final Four for the first time ever. And the Blazers went back-to-back Saturday and Sunday with wins over the Wolves and Lakers, combined with the Nuggets' loss to the Pelicans yesterday. They are now tied for the eighth and final playoff spot in the West, setting up that all-important matchup at the Motor Center tomorrow night. How did you process everything that went down this weekend? Uh, It's been difficult. It's been a, a very long process. But after going through all of the tape and film and studying things, I'm ready to go. This was an awesome weekend. The fact that the Ducks beat Kansas when there were so many reasons to pick against them. The fact that Gonzaga, you know, once Gonzaga was facing Xavier, you you expected them to win, but you're thinking, well, it's Gonzaga. They'll they'll find a way to blow it. And then yesterday while watching some college hoops, I saw the score at one point of the Denver game. It was the first time I checked it out, and it was 99-70. to with New Orleans on top, and I, I looked at my phone and go, whoa, wasn't expecting that. That was so nice because really that loss by the Nuggets, it kind of washed the sins of that earlier loss in the week that the Blazers had at home to the Bucks. It did, gave you a little bit of extra room to play with. Yeah. And now, you know, you've got the, at, at worst, you'll be two and two with them. You've got the division tiebreaker. Things are looking very good right now. You know what's cool, too, is how Duck fans, they're still kind of on this high coming off that huge oh, yeah. win over Kansas. An unexpected win. And I think in a lot of ways, this is an unexpected run for the Duck fans. But to get to this point and to be in this position to where you have a chance to win a national championship and for Zag fans, think about how long they've been waiting finally for this program to get over the hump and to get there and to know you've got a chance to win a title. You can't ask for more than that. No, you can't. What's interesting is, you know, at the beginning of the season, the Ducks were expected to be a top five team with people talking about them going to the final four. And then yeah. you lose to Georgetown, you lose to Baylor. And it was, all right, let's slow our roll a little bit with the Ducks. And they win 17 in a row. Then going into the conference tournament, they're the number one seed. They're going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. That Boucher gets hurt and they lose to Arizona. And they're a three seed and they're in the same region as Kansas and Louisville. It was all right. Well, let's slow our roll with that. And they shattered those expectations again. 
And now here they are in the final four with two games to go. And I'm, you know, I, I wasn't trying to disrespect the Ducks. I just tried to take a very realistic approach. I was upset to see Boucher go down. Sure. You never want to see teams suffer injuries like that at that point in time in the year. So I was just realistic looking at the bracket and I thought it's going to be too much, too much competition, too much to overcome with the loss of Boucher. Right. And yet they went out there. And they, they came together and proved us all wrong. You can't afford slip-ups in the NCAA tournament. I mean, just ask teams like Georgetown against Florida Gulf Coast. And, you know, you can go through history and pick all these games. You can't afford slip-ups. And when you lose a crucial, not just a good, but a crucial player to your team that close to the tournament starting, you haven't had a lot of time to play without that guy. You're, you're asking for a mistake. And Mark Packer made a great example last week of Kevin Ware with Louisville, when he went down against Duke, a crucial, critical player, they end up winning a national championship after that. Who knows? I think that's probably the best part with Boucher going down. Some of the guys that you and I talked about before the tournament that would need to step up in order for the Ducks to be able to make a run, they did that. They yep. got a team effort. They got a bunch of different guys to chip in. And let's face it, the win over Kansas was awesome. You go into that building, you're basically playing a road game as the Jayhawks are playing in front of all their fans. And you take out what many people thought was the best team remaining in the tournament. You dismantle them. They've got to have a lot of momentum heading into this Final Four, knowing, hey, where would we rather play? North Carolina on a neutral site or Kansas, the Jayhawks, in that building, the Sprint Center? Right. That's not a place that you would want to play those guys. And to beat them the way that you did, I mean, rebounding. When they missed shots, you did not let them get second-chance points. Though, in in the second half of that game, I'm sitting there watching that, just waiting for this thing to implode because they were playing so hard not to lose as opposed to winning the basketball game. And Kansas kept bailing them out by missing shots, and the ball would bounce their way, and they would kept getting bailed out. But they were playing that game for a stretch not to lose, and it just felt like one of those games like Northern Iowa last year against Texas A&M where in the blink of an eye, wait a minute, we just lost a how big lead? I thought it was going to happen at one point, and then time ran out. It's the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. We're just taking a look at the awesome sports weekend that we had here in the Northwest. And, Trav, I, I guess Gonzaga, in many ways, like the Ducks, they did the unexpected. I didn't get the feeling going into the tournament that everyone was eyeing Gonzaga like they had in years past. It was almost like they were just waiting for the Zags to slip up like we've seen before, yep. and yet they just continued to win and move forward, playing like a number one seed. Yeah, they did. Look, West Virginia was a horrific matchup for them i said it before the tournament started i thought west virginia was going to beat them because of the matchup not necessarily because it was west virginia and it almost happened and gonzaga closed that game out with defense well then you go through and you win the way that you did against xavier you dominated that game xavier never had a chance you played like a number one seed is supposed to play all right so two of the uh final four teams are from the northwest gonzaga and oregon the other part of the sports weekend that was so special were the Blazers. Yep. They got back-to-back -back wins over the T-Wolves and the Lakers last night in L.A. They're now tied. Denver lost to the Pelicans. They have the same record, 35-38. and 38. And this sets up the game tomorrow night at the Moda Center. Whoever wins this game is going to have the inside track on the eighth and final playoff yep. spot. But it also features a situation where Mason Plumlee will make his return. Yusuf Nurkic will have his first opportunity to go up against his former team after the trade deadline deal that sent... Plumley to Denver, Nurkic to uh, the Blazers. Yep. And the emotion, this is the game of the year. So the emotion, I just want to encourage all the Blazer fans, there's still some tickets available. Get your tickets and get there. This is going to be a special night and a phenomenal opportunity considering where the Blazers have come from 
at the beginning of the year up until this point. Let me pose this question to Blazers fans. Why the hell are there any tickets left for this game? There should not be any tickets left for this game. I, I realize that in October, this was not a circle your calendar type of game. And when they played early in the year, that overtime game, we weren't thinking that this matchup was going to determine who's going to be the eighth and final playoff spot of the Western Conference. We thought the Blazers would be much better. The Nuggets would be much worse. But this is the game. This is the game you need to be at the rest of the season. This is the most important game. We've been saying that for a couple of weeks. And now the fact they have identical records going into it, this is a must-go-to game. So back on the 2nd of March, 25 days ago, the Blazers were 11 games under 500, three games back of Denver for the eighth and final playoff spot in the West. And you fast forward three and a half weeks. They've won 11 of their last 14. They're now 12 and six since Nurkic came over from Denver and they're tied with the Nuggets for that eighth and final playoff spot. I've been watching the NBA for over 30 years, Trav. I have not seen a player come over via trade and make such a dramatic impact with his team in such a short period of time. I think that's what continues to fascinate me and what makes this situation the Blazers are in so remarkable. We've seen guys get traded at the deadline because they're the the missing piece, right? Whether it's a guy like, I don't know, Clyde Drexler, whoever there, they're the missing piece and they're going to take you over that hump. Not to a team that's just kind of barely staying above water and being alive and not really expected to do much, and then it turns you into a completely different team. I've seen guys impact teams before, but never take you from a team that was an underachieving joke to a team that on any given night could not just beat anybody but blow anybody out. It is remarkable. We've got a lot more on the Blazers. Joe Freeman from the Oregonian going to join us today at 4.15. We're going to talk with former Oregon Duck Rob Kloss at 5.00. And, Travis, we've got a very special guest at four. Who is that? That is Dylan Ennis of the Final Four Oregon Ducks. He's going to join our show today at 4 o'clock on the phone. I am fired up. I love it. He embraces this role as underdog. I know he enjoys it. I want to get your thoughts, Trav, because you love college hoops. Love it. The lines that are out for the Final Four games. The first game up will be South Carolina Gonzaga. The Zags are a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. What's your first take on that line? Well, my first take on that, and you brought this up, which I thought was a very astute observation on your point. Vegas is begging you to take South Carolina. Yeah, they've been dog masters in the tourney. They really have. At some point, you would expect a team that's the Cinderella that way, and they really are. They've, they have never even been to the Elite Eight before, okay? This is a team that eventually their luck is going to run out. But when is that going to run out? Is it going to run out on Saturday? Is it going to run out on Monday? Is it going to run out on Tuesday after they win a national championship? Gonzaga is a much better team. And with their style of offense and the way that South Carolina normally plays, not what we've seen in the last yeah. four games, they should run them out of the gym. They should win that game by 18 points. So I, I see that. But you're right. They, they're they begging you to take South Carolina in that game. The other one, I think that's that's right about right. You've got the team that has been... A North no- Carolina is a four-and-a-half-point yeah. favorite over the Ducks. That, that's about right. North Carolina has been a top team all season long. They were expected to be a number one seed. They are. Oregon is a man down. Okay, I get they haven't been playing that way. They are playing their best basketball of the season. That game against Kansas was their best game of the season. Vegas is just trying to get equal action on both sides. People who are going to get bet Carolina will expect them to win by more than four and a half. People who are going to bet Oregon expect them to win the game outright. Love it. 
The Final Four will kick off on Saturday with uh, Gonzaga and South Carolina, followed by Oregon and North Carolina. Getting to the Final Four is great, but what will it take for the Ducks to become an elite program? My man Travis is going to tell you next. It's the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Now you promised Grandma that you'd wake her butt up if this was a close game. And it is. Get her out of bed. She can sleep tomorrow on an off day. Now, back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. 317 on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. It is a busy Monday. I can't really imagine a Monday being much busier than this. Ducks win. They go to the Final Four. Blazers get a couple of wins. Denver loses, setting up the big showdown at Moda tomorrow night, man. This week... With the Blazers playing Denver tomorrow night, and then a big game against Houston on Thursday, Phoenix on Saturday, Final Four Saturday. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I can't wait until tomorrow night. Now that all the other games are out of the way, it's all about one team. Denver, 7 o'clock tomorrow. Be there or be nowhere. Oh, it's so nice to have the Blazers right there. And that gift that the Pelicans gave us yesterday washed away the sins of that ridiculous loss to the Bucks, And yep. now we can focus on one game. Joe Freeman going to join us today at 417. I want to get back to college hoops here for a minute, Chad. And you look at what Oregon has done. Just getting to the Final Four in itself is a big deal. And you think about the the BCS era, right, 1998 to present. In that time, teams that have gone to the Final Four and either the BCS National Championship game or the college football playoff, there have been seven schools that have done that. Oregon is the seventh school to join that group. What's interesting about that, though, the Ducks are the only one of those seven schools that have not won a national championship in basketball or football. That's not the group you want to be a part of. No. They are the only ones to do that. But getting into that group is a very difficult thing to do. That says a lot about where this program has been. Florida's the only one to win both football and basketball. But Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, Michigan State, those are the other ones. So you've got an LSU. Those are the seven programs. Oregon really is in an elite athletic class. No question. What it shows is the effort and the money that they've put into building up their facilities. And then obviously hiring makes a big difference. So I think with the basketball program, when they went out and they took the time to find their coach and they brought in Dana Altman, I just had a good sense on that day that things would change moving into the future. I didn't know how much. But you can see what a quality coach will yeah. do for a program. And you look at the things Dana Altman has done. This is year number seven for Dana Altman. And, you know, I don't care what year it is. Getting to the Final Four is a big deal. But he's gone to the, the uh, NCAA tournament five straight years. Sweet 16. And you look at the last, you know, five years. Sweet 16 in 2013. Got to the second round in 2014 and 15. Last year in Elite Eight. This year at least a Final Four. This is the best five-year run this program has ever seen. No question. And it's all because of Altman. And I remember, Trav, when he was hired, Duck fans approved. I think a lot of people had heard of Altman, but it flew a bit under the radar because he's a great coach, but he's not one of the big names, one of the names that you just recognize right off the bat. And also Altman, he's more of a quiet, humble man that is never going to self-promote. That's not his style. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most about him. He operates with a huge dose of humility and that's counter to the me generation that we all live in right sure. now. You know, like the LeVar Balls of the world. And I'm just not a big fan of that, that style. That's why I like what Altman has done, quietly coming in, humbly going about his business, and just building a program day by day, step by step, 
and laying a good foundation, and now we're seeing the fruits of that. And you think about what he did previously, you know, at Kansas State, which at the time was in the Big 8 Conference, early 90s. And then he goes to Creighton. Creighton is, has a much higher profile today than it did then. Creighton's in the Big East now, right? They were in the Missouri Valley Conference, which at the time was a one-bid big league, even this year with Wichita State, one-bid league. He went to the NCAA tournament five years in a row. Now, he only won two tournament games in his entire time there, but getting a team from a one-bid league five years in a row and six out of seven years into the tournament is a big deal. He won 65% of his games there at Creighton. Yes, and there's a lot that goes into that. I think a lot of times when people think of basketball coaches, they just think about what happens within the 40 minutes that they're on the floor. But a coach does so much more, and a lot of that work goes into the offseason when you're organizing your practices, when you're bringing your team together. And from the multiple people I've talked to who have spent a lot of time around the program, getting a chance to watch Altman coach and work with his players, Trav, he's very detailed, he's very organized, and he gets his guys to play very, very hard. And I think that organization and that focus is critical, and we're seeing some of the benefits of that in this run by the Ducks right now where they were able to overcome a serious injury to Boucher. Yep. We saw the way that they went after aggressively attacked Kansas, which was a great team, and that all comes from Altman, who quietly goes about his business, doesn't get up in guys' faces and yell at them. He just demands the best. He demands their respect, and you see guys out there playing hard, and I think the way... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. They've overcome the injury to Boucher just further shows the details that Altman pays attention to with his guys. And when he gets talent, he coaches them up. So the player that comes in as a freshman or a, a JC transfer is not the same guy that leaves the program. And that, that's a mark of a good coach yeah, in my mind. There have been a lot of those JC guys and transfers, and Dylan Ennis is a transfer. And I'm sure after seeing his former teammates win the NCAA tournament last year. Like, what did I do? Exactly. He wants to get one now. But, you know, you, you look at everything that Altman has done. Look at how Bell has played in the last month. Okay, they're calling him, uh, or they're calling Dorsey Mr. March for a reason. Yes. He has been unreal. Bell has been so, so good. Peyton Pritchard 
has turned into a very good player. And, and watching him a lot in high school, I thought he would be good, but he seemed like the kind of player who had to have the ball and was out of control when he was playing at West Lynn because he was the best player on the floor in every single game that he played in. Getting a, a kid to go from being the best player that will ever be playing in a game that he is playing in to realizing that he is a freshman and has to be a piece on a very good team, it's a very difficult transition, and Pritchard did it almost instantly. It really is. And, you know, the great thing about Altman, and that's why I'm trying to really pump him up because he's never going to do that. He'll always point to his players. This sounds so cheesy, but the Ducks, the reason why they've been able to make this run without Boucher, it's so simple. They play hard and they really defend. I thought their best strength, and I've seen this over the last couple of years, their pressure defense is impressive. And Altman yep. does such a good job of knowing when to crank it up and turn that on and getting his guys to bend at the knees and really get after it. So you look at what they've done in the tournament so far. They've defended, they've been the aggressor, and they just play hard for an entire 40 minutes. And so when I see that, I know that the players respect Altman because of the way they're balling out. Yeah. It, Altman's a very impressive man. I'll tell you one thing. He may not have the name of a Roy Williams, but Altman will not be outcoached no. on Saturday or moving forward. He's that good. Look, we, we talk about the Oregon football program's fans being spoiled and that nothing's ever good enough, right? Yeah. I say that in one breath, and then in another breath, I don't want fans to be satisfied with the Final Four because this team is good enough to win a national championship. But let's say they don't, and let's say they are an average team the next few years. When fans look back at this season, what are they going to say? Hey, we made it to the Final Four. That was awesome. Well, what does this mean to you then? As a Final Four team, the Ducks have made it there. I think in a lot of ways they've overachieved based on perceptions going in because of the injury to Boucher. But what is the difference in your mind from being a Final Four team to taking that next step? What is the key for Oregon now that they're there to take that next step? And what exactly does that mean? Right. I mean, well, you've got to sustain it. You've got to figure out a way to do that. And look, if they lose, um, you know, they're going to lose Boucher. Obviously, he's not coming back. But if they lose a bunch of different guys, whether it's Bell and uh, Ennis and Brooks and Dorsey, if they lose all of these guys, it's going to be difficult to get back to this level right away. Now, teams go up and down all the time. But you think about the last 20 years. Uh -huh. There have been a lot of teams that have gotten to the Final Four once and have not gotten back. Even going back to 1998, Utah gets to the national championship game, right? They haven't been back to the Final Four since. Stanford in the same year. Georgia Tech to the title game in 04. I'm just going through a bunch of different teams. Marquette, Illinois, LSU, Memphis, George Mason, uh, VCU, West Virginia. All of these schools went to the Final Four once in the last 20 years and haven't been back since. None of those schools won a national championship. So how do you not be one of those teams and be a team that gets to that next level? And it's so, so difficult to crack that group of teams that are, are perennially very good. You think about the, the championship teams those last several years, right? Going back 20 years or so. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Syracuse has been in that group. Villanova has been in that group. So the usual suspects. Exactly. Nobody outside of that, except for maybe Maryland, has won a national championship in the last 20 years. It doesn't happen. The teams that win are the teams that are there and have been there consistently. So if you want to be considered in that group, 
You've got to go back year after year after year because it's an incredibly rare thing for a program to have a one-off season to win a college basketball national championship. Well, in terms of what you're thinking then, at least through my eyes, this opportunity right now, not next year, but right now in the Final Four, what do you think about this, Trav? If the Ducks were able to overcome, you beat North Carolina, and then you move on and beat either South Carolina or Gonzaga in the championship with Altman, who I think is an elite coach, with the facilities, with the program and the foundation that he's already laid there in Eugene, all of a sudden you win a championship and your visibility goes through the stratosphere yeah. to where now you're a national power, a national champion. What would that mean for Altman in terms of visibility, which would turn into recruits, which means having more, a, more, a greater wealth of talent to be able to continue to move forward? Well, the visibility, the, the recognizability thing is such a, a key thing, right? So for us here in this part of the country, we're going to remember that Oregon got to the Final Four, win or lose. Yes. We're going to remember that Gonzaga got to the Final Four, win or lose. But uh, do you remember who UConn beat in 2004? Not off the top of my head. Okay, They beat Georgia Tech. Do you remember who Syracuse beat to win a national championship? Kansas. Okay, now they're a national program, so that's a little bit different. How about uh, Duke? Give me any of the three or four teams Duke has beaten in recent years to win a national championship. Off the top of your head, boom, gun to your head, go. Gonzaga. I mean, uh um, Butler. Yeah, exactly. You had to think about it for a minute. Yes. That instant recognition isn't there. We remember that Kentucky played Kansas because it's Kentucky, Kansas. That's an awesome national championship. So what you're saying is people outside of the area, if they win the championship, will remember Oregon. Yes. If they, Even if they go to the championship game and lose, how many people really remember top of mind that North Carolina beat Illinois in the national championship game 12 years ago? Yeah. Not very many. When you win, you are cemented. It's the, the it's always the thought of nobody remembers who finished second. That's exactly what it is. How many people will remember off the top of their head that Kansas's national championship came over Memphis? I would have to think about that for a few moments. Right, but you remember that Kansas won. You don't remember exactly what year. You don't remember exactly who they beat. You remember that Duke has won a few times or Carolina has won a few times. You remember who wins, and that, I think, is so key because you go into living rooms and and you say, we won a national championship. It just it wasn't just the Final Four. Do you remember 1995 UCLA winning the national championship? You remember them winning, right? Yes, okay. I remember the O'Bannon brothers. Right, but who would they beat? I don't remember off the top of my head. Arizona? Arkansas. Arkansas. Exactly. That's the point is that you remember who won. And to be able to say that we won, and you're the parents, the kids, they will remember. Now, you remember Oklahoma lost in 1988. Yes, because, because of the Deman- Danny Manning game, and that was his tournament. But most people don't remember that. I do because it was painful for me as yep. an individual. You ask who won the, the year that Michigan won the national championship. You got to think about it for a minute. I and- remember who they played in 88. 89, they won the national title. Yes, that was the King Dome, and that was against P.J. Colosimo's sweater, Seton right. Hall. Exactly. But I don't think most people no. remember that. You remember that Carolina beat Michigan because mm-hmm. you remember Chris Weber's timeout. Yes. You remember things like that, but you don't remember the other little things. Oh, yeah, that's right. George Mason went to the Final Four. Or, oh, yeah, Wichita State went to the Final Four. People don't really remember that. So that recognizability... That instant credibility of winning a national championship, that's what turns your program 
from a good program that can compete and every now and then is going to get to an Elite Eight and maybe even a Final Four once every 80 years to a team that can continuously be in the very good top 10, top 15 with a chance to win a national championship every few years. Well, this is a great point you bring up, at least through my eyes when I look at the Final Four. I don't doubt that South Carolina is legit, especially when they play defense. Gonzaga is playing very good basketball right now. We know about North Carolina, but they're not the same North Carolina that we've seen in years past. They're experienced, and they've got a lot of motivation after what happened to them last year in the title game against Villanova. But there's not that one overpowering team. Even without Boucher, the Ducks have a chance to go out and win a title. They can beat any one of these other three teams. I don't doubt that. So I, this is why I'm glad Altman's coach, because you do not want to be satisfied with the fact that you're, right. you made it to your first Final Four since 1939. you got to capitalize right now, because like you said, there's no guarantee of who's going to come back next year right now. Don't miss out on a chance to go out and capitalize like you said, to put yourself in that next category with past champions. We remember Gonzaga because it's a weird name and people that aren't from here. Look, I I lived in New York the year Gonzaga made their first run in 1999. It's my senior year of high school. I remember Gonzaga because, well, we didn't know how to pronounce Gonzaga. And it was, wait, who, who the hell is this team? And they get to the Final Four and they lose to UConn. And since then, they have built up a reputation and we remember them because every year they're pretty darn good. Yeah. They always lose every year. So but think this- about it. They only they, they got a lot of run off that one game against UConn that yes, they, they lost. Did. They absolutely they didn't did. do much after that. They had good teams but never made that special run like they had that year up until right now. Right, but look at a program like George Mason, right? Okay. They also had a, a historic Cinderella run, lost to UConn. In the Final Four. What have they done since? Nothing. No. Gonzaga's in the tournament every single year, and they have been for 18 years. George Mason hasn't done that. VCU has stayed in a pretty small conference. They're a pretty good team, but you know, last year they beat Oregon State in the first round, lose in the second round. This year they lose in the first round. They haven't been able to sustain that. Gonzaga has. That is an incredibly rare situation that we're looking at in Spokane. So you would look at Gonzaga today not as a... A great mid-major, but more of an elite program. Absolutely, I would. Because, look, I mean, what is this? Twice in the last four years, I think it was twice in the last three years, they've gotten to the Elite Eight. They've been a number one seed now on multiple occasions over the span of four or five years. They've been to a few Elite Eights. They've been ranked number one in multiple different years with multiple different players with the same coach. They are an elite program. What they've done is that without winning a national championship, without getting to a Final Four this year, the things they've done are things that national championship-level programs do. They just haven't gotten that win. Do you think the same types of benefits would apply, like you're talking about, to Gonzaga if they were to go out and win a championship this year? Absolutely. They so would. It, would, it would further transform that program from what Mark Few's done to them up to this point? It would, because Gonzaga is a team in a mid-major conference that plays a weak, soft conference schedule. St. Mary's is pretty good every year. BYU is pretty good every year, and then maybe every few years you get a Santa Clara who's okay or a USF who's okay, but the rest of the conference isn't very good. And because of that, they've got to go out and play Arizona in the non-conference schedule. They've got to go out and they've got to play in the Maui Invitational or in the PK-80 tournament next year to play the best of the best. Again, they're not looked at 
the same way as Duke is because they don't win national championships. They don't get to Final Fours. Adam Morrison cries at the end of Sweet 16 losses to UCLA and things like that. You legitimize what you've done, and now people are going to look at you differently. I like the spot that the Ducks are in right now. I think everyone looks at the Final Four, and maybe they just assume Gonzaga, North Carolina in the final. The Ducks can continue to kind of fly under the radar as that underdog team like we've seen from the start of the tournament, Trav, after the injury to Boucher. I think that I think that role fits them nicely. I think this group of Ducks is a very likable group. They're very easy to cheer for because of their togetherness and the way they've played in the tournament so far. They've right. overcome a lot to get to where they're at. They really have. Th- this whole tournament's been awesome, though. I mean, it started out slow. That first Thursday, everything was kind of chalk, right? We didn't see any really big games. The, the second day, we saw some upsets on that Friday. And then it was, whoa, wait, South Carolina? Wait, what the hell just happened? And then Xavier beats Arizona. And essentially, with a tournament that's had quite a bit of chalk, we had an absolutely insane end to Wisconsin and, and Florida the other night. A crazy end to North Carolina and Kentucky yesterday. This tournament has turned out to be incredibly compelling and interesting. And now you've got three programs who have combined for a total of one Final Four appearance before this year against a program that has been to 19 before this year. You truly have David versus Goliath. I think what you just said is a perfect example of why everyone loves March Madness. What what makes the tournament so special? Because you'll never have this type of pairing in a Final Four in college football. You're usually going to have the traditional powerhouses in that college football playoff field. And that's understandable. But look at what we have now. You have Gonzaga, which outside of the Northwest, most people don't know about Gonzaga. Oregon, for the first time since 1939, and South Carolina that comes from football country with North Carolina. That It makes it unique to have such a weird sprinkling of teams in the Final Four, which I think people can look at and say, you know what, the fix is not in. This yeah. is something that we have four teams that earn their way to the tournament, the Final Four, uh, where in college football you've got a committee selecting the team. So that's just an example of, of what makes this time of year and this tournament so special with the pairings that we have this year. Very, very odd. What would be the, the football equivalent to this? Would it be like a Alabama for North Carolina, uh, a Boise State for Gonzaga, a team that's been pretty good now for a while, a smaller team? Who would be South Carolina? Would it be, I don't know. It could be like a traditional basketball school like Duke or somebody yeah, all of a sudden Duke, becoming Duke great is, in football. Duke is a perfect example. They've of had that. some good football teams, but nothing great. But it, that's how weird it would be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then who would be Oregon? You probably have a um, a, a good team. I'm trying to think of a, of, of a parallel there. Maybe uh, um, Arizona State. Yes, an Arizona State or an Oklahoma State. One of these teams. That, yeah. That, that has some notoriety, but not quite at that level where everyone else is at at the top. That, that'll never in no, a million years happen. it's not happening. But that's what makes the tournament so special because once you get in, if you get hot like South Carolina, they are on fire, and it powered them to a Final Four. Very unique, and I think it's just a great example of what makes the tournament special and why, why basketball fans love it so much. Now, I'm sure the networks maybe behind closed doors are not thrilled to have two teams from the Northwest that don't get as much hype as the traditional basketball blue bloods, and to have South Carolina in there. You don't have a lot of the country covered in terms of regions. But for us, being from here, can you imagine an Oregon-Gonzaga final, how sweet that would be? That would be 
unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome. You look at last year's Final Four field. Villanova, Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Syracuse. Yes, traditional powers. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's the type of Final Four that that Turner hopes for. Yeah. Because anybody that, that likes college basketball would be interested in that. Villanova, North Carolina, that's... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's a final four. That's a championship game that people would really want to watch. Now, I mean, Duke, anytime Duke is going to be in it, it, you're going to have people rooting for or against them. But Wisconsin the year before, I mean, does that really do anything? No, not really. Spokane, Washington, and Eugene, Oregon are being represented in the Final Four. That's awesome. It it is. (laughs) But think about how people in, I'm, I'm trying to pick a city that doesn't have, that didn't have a team in the Final Four. Okay, how about people in Detroit Yeah, that are Michigan or Michigan State fans? Do you think they're going to stay up for, you know, a game that starts at like 8.30 local time to see Gonzaga and Oregon play no, for a national championship? No, because they don't give a flip. Exactly. Yeah. But I love it, and I'm hoping it happens. You're loving this, aren't you? Oh, I, I'm I, totally loving this. I've got to tell you, my buddy Trav, who is a big time, one of the biggest college basketball fans I have ever come across, you're in your element right now. Like, this is your time of the year. Yep. You feel Awesome right now. I do. Not that I wouldn't be anyway. There's an extra kick in your step. I can there see is. it. I'm excited to come to work and talk about it because, number one, I can talk about college basketball and not get laughed off the air. We try to do this in October or December. Nobody wants to hear about college basketball in Portland. No. That's a good way to get lynched. Start talking about college hoop during prime college football season and, and when the Blazers season. are getting going. Yeah. Yeah. But we can today, and I love it. <laughs> we do, or we are going to talk about the Blazers today. Joe Freeman's going to join us yeah, at four yeah. seventeen tomorrow night. Is the biggest game of the season without question. Dylan Ennis going to join us from the Ducks coming up at the top of the hour. But coming up next, overreaction Monday. There's nothing to overreact about now. What? Now we're going to do that next. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. Monday. Who doesn't read into things too much? 13 more games to play, and you're saying the season's over? Unbelievable. Sometimes, our teams don't perform the way we want. You were 2-7, and you'd be in a bad mood, too. What next? Chad and Travis react to the biggest overreactions from the weekend. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. It's Overreaction Monday on the Rip City Drive. All right, it's always time to overreact, but especially during Overreaction Monday. Plenty to get to today. Mike Shacker, what are we starting with? Leon fires it off the back of the iron. It's over. 
South Carolina is going where they have never gone before, the Final Four. So with senior heavy teams reaching the Final Four, this proves teams with one and dones will no longer be the favorites. My headphones popped out, so I didn't hear that. But I have the question in front of me. So uh, I hope that doesn't take the uh, climax out of it here. But I heard uh, Dan and Jake talking about this this morning, and I've heard some other programs talk about this in well, as well. Why can't we ever just have a year where something happens a little bit differently and accept the fact that maybe it's just a different year? Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, everything's cyclical, right? I think there are advantages at times to teams who have senior-laden, you know, talent or yeah. experienced players like North Carolina this year. I think their most utilized lineup during the tournament features four juniors and a senior. I think there's some benefit to that. But at least from my standpoint here, Trav, one and duns are always going to be a part of the game, especially if they're extremely talented. There will be coaches out there regardless of how long the player is going to be there with their program that will take chances because at the end of the day, one and done or not, you want the best players. And if the best player out there who is available is a one and done, you take him. Could Kentucky have beaten North Carolina yesterday? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Plenty of one and dones on that team. Could Kansas have beaten Oregon on Saturday? Maybe not the way they played. Yeah. But yeah, plenty of one and dones on that team. I'm sure we'll see plenty of teams with one and dones in the Final Four again very soon. The 20th trip to the NCAA tournament nets the first Final Four for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga has legitimized their program by reaching the Final Four. I don't think they've legitimized their program. I think they can take a different step into a different stratosphere if they win the championship. But what Mark Few has done in Spokane by building that team to where year after year after year you can just pencil them into the tournament. You look at the talent he's been able to bring in, the way they dominate the West Coast Conference. I think they were already legitimate. A championship would only allow more eyes to be up on that program nationally. But I think it's already a legitimate program. Legitimized to who? That's the question. Have they legitimized their team to themselves? Of course they have. Ask Mark Few about that. Ask the players about that nationally yeah i think this does legitimize the team a little bit it really just depends on on the perspective winning a national championship there's no way that that's not legit at that point but i i think in terms of the national perspective getting past that hump you know where they haven't been able to go before they've been to the elite eight a couple of times but never to this point i do think that that it legitimizes them it just depends on what the perspective is Hands to May, 18-footer. God, with three tenths of a second to go, North Carolina leads. North Carolina is a lock to win the national championship. Well, they're the favorite right now. They're the blue blood program that's there. They're supposed to beat Oregon. If they get to the championship game, they're supposed to beat South Carolina or supposed to beat Gonzaga. But last year, I thought Oklahoma, with the way Buddy Heald played against Oregon, that they were a lock to beat Villanova. And they didn't, there is no such thing as a lock when you get to the Final Four, really, at any point in the tournament, except for a one beating a 16. I agree. They're not a lock. And this goes all to all you Duck fans out there. I cannot emphasize this enough. You don't have to be satisfied with the trip to the Final Four. The Ducks can win a championship right now. They can win it right now. North Carolina is very good. Roy Williams is a phenomenal coach. 
but they don't have their traditional superstar NBA-type talent on their roster. They have upperclassmen. They have played very well, and they have a lot of uh, desire after what happened to them in the title game last year. But, no, they're not a lock. They're going to be favored by Vegas, but by no means a lock to win the championship. You know, I, I, I would like to see Oregon win. If they don't, I would like to see Gonzaga win. If it was Oregon State in this situation, uh, you know, or Washington or Washington State, but specifically Oregon or Oregon State or the University of Portland or Portland State, I want to see a championship in the Northwest because it doesn't happen very often. We have the Seahawks. I know that people in Portland generally don't want to be considered part of Seattle, that a lot of Portlanders hate Seattle and things that come out of Seattle. But I would much rather see a championship in this part of the country than another one on Tobacco Road. Yes, I either want the Ducks to win the championship or South Carolina just because I'm blown away by their story and their run here in the tournament. And, you know, now that we've gotten here in the driver's seat, we got to take it home and um, sustain in our mindset and continue to play the way we've been playing, you know, even at a higher level, it was going to allow us to keep the spot. So with Sunday's results, the Blazers have guaranteed themselves a playoff spot. It's close, Trav. It's close. I'm going to say no, but if they win tomorrow and I expect them to win, you got to beat the Nuggets. I expect that to happen once they win tomorrow night. They will be locked in, in my opinion, for the playoffs. They're close. They got a gift from the Pelicans yesterday who went into Denver and crushed the Nuggets by 25 points. They're now even, and you got seven of your final nine games at home with Denver tomorrow night. It's close, but a win tomorrow would almost guarantee it because with that, you would have the tie break, which would mean a two-game lead. Exactly. Ask me the question again on Wednesday, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe I'll look at things a little bit differently. No, because you have to beat Denver tomorrow. If you lose that game, there's a, in my opinion, there is a better chance of making the playoffs if you lose tomorrow than there is missing the playoffs if you win tomorrow. Whoever wins tomorrow has a better chance, but I still give the Blazers the leg up, win or lose, based on everything you just talked about. Their schedule, where they play, who they play, the amount of games left, the fact that they have the tiebreaker. So if they're a, a, a game up on Denver... They're essentially two games up on Denver with seven to play, and that is a really difficult thing in the NBA, you know. To because if you know if, if you're two games back, you've got to win five games if they go three and four. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult to do. So while I don't think it's guaranteed right now, you win tomorrow and you basically have a two game lead with seven to play. That's huge, and that's why you want to make sure you do everything within your power to make sure you win that game. Now I will say this. I expect Denver to come out tomorrow and play their best game. Yeah. That might have been one of the worst things that could have happened in retrospect, that blowout loss at home to the Pelicans. I know they're going to bring their A game. They're going to be ready to go. And it's one of those rare games during the regular season where you have two teams wanting the same thing who have so much in common with that trade before the deadline. It makes it special, and I cannot wait. It's going to be a great night at the Motor Center. The only thing separating tomorrow night from an actual playoff game is going to be the logo on the floor that says NBA playoffs yeah. because that place is going to be awesome. I can't wait to be there. We've been to countless playoff games in that arena, Chad, and the the feeling in that arena, and I've been to playoff games in other places, it is different at the Moda Center, and it is such an awesome place to see a playoff game. They are going to treat that game like a playoff game. The fans are going to treat it like a playoff game. 
it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I spent the last two years in Oakland. It was with the Warriors through their playoff runs. Oracle is a great building, but the Moda Center is equally uh, spectacular during the playoffs. With the noise, it's an older building with the concrete, so it's loud in there, and it's a special place. Team and community here in Portland is what makes this a different NBA-type town. I can't wait for that game. Ooh, bring it on! Got, what, 27 hours till tip? Uh, Can you imagine being Nurkic right now, just frothing at the mouth, looking to take it out on your old teammates? Yeah, being 7 feet tall, 280 pounds, and... Have a couple million dollars. I want in your Papa Nurkic to bust off a phone call tomorrow morning just to remind his son of what he expects. I really want to hear that conversation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just the accents involved now. I would speculate, but I don't want to get myself in trouble with foul language. Yeah. The Ducks are headed to the Final Four. One of those Duck players is going to join us next. Dylan Ennis. As the Ducks get set to take on North Carolina in the oh, Final gee. Four on Saturday. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. Rip City Drive. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing. From your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Oregon's going to win. The Ducks are going to the Final Four. 3.6 seconds to make it official, but you can book your tickets. Jacksonville inbound. And that's going to do it. 2-1. together 78 years since Oregon has had this good of a chance to win a national championship and they will be one of four teams left that is the sound of Jerry Allen on the IMG Oregon Sports Network as Oregon advances past Kansas to get to the final four Dylan Ennis of the Oregon Ducks joins us now how did it sound to hear that as it happens there uh, Dylan Oh, it was a surreal. You know, I, I didn't have words to describe it um, when that buzzer finally rang. Uh, you know, I, I was finally inducted into the Final Four, and I had no words to describe that feeling. You know, I read where you said after the game, you're sitting there in the locker room, and you're trying to process all of this, and you said it seemed so surreal that you were making that trip. How so? Uh, just like, you know, you dream about it when you're a young kid. You know, you watch the Final Four, and, you know, they play in front of 60,000, 70,000 people at a time, you know, in the Final Four in the National Championship game. And you, you can't fathom playing, you know, in that type of arena with the entire country, even the entire country, the whole world watching at once. And, you know, to say that, you know, I'll be doing that, you know, it, it probably won't hit me until I finally step on that floor against North Carolina and after the game starts going, then I probably think, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm actually playing in the Final Four game. You know, take us through the, the thought process as, as a team after Chris Boucher goes down with the injury and then you've got to play, uh, you know, the next night against Arizona, the conference championship, and everything that, that's happened since then to come together as a team. What's that been like? Uh, well, it's been, it was actually more crazy than that because, we actually found out officially that he tore his ACL the morning of. So it was literally within a few hours. Uh, you know, we, we were hurt. We were distraught when we heard it. Not mainly for us, but, you know, for him. You know, I know he, how hard he's been working. You know, being a senior, it's so much tough, so much more tough because 
you know, he knows he's not coming back. But, you know, it's tough when, you know, we went into that Arizona game, and we're not using that ex- as an excuse. But, you know, he's such a big part in what we do. Uh, but I think, you know, as time went on, we adjusted a lot more without him being there. Everybody picked up a little more of the load, and, you know, we're playing great basketball right now. You know, after that injury, I think a lot of people counted you out, Dylan. Uh, you, uh, in particular, and the rest of your teammates, you guys actually enjoy this underdog role, don't you? And and you're one to take a look around to see, you know, what people think. You know, are you underdogs going into a game? Talk about that underdog role and why you think that fits you and your teammates so well. Um, yeah, when Chris went out, um, you know, everybody thought we were going to lose all the big games that we are in. And, you know, that's not a problem. You know, everybody has their opinion. Um, but, you know, me and my teammates, you know, we love it. You know, we love going into games. Everybody against us, everybody thinking we're going to lose because, to be honest, it takes less pressure off of us. Um, you know, we went into Kansas City to play against Kansas. They had about 16,000 fans to our six, 600. So, you know, we knew we, had, we knew we had to be a family. We knew we had to stay tight together. And, you know, it just makes you push a little bit more. You know, when you have all the fans with you, you know, it's great to hear them cheering for you. But, you know, when they're against you, you know, you and your brothers, uh, you know, you band together and you know you just try to find anything you can in the tank to win dylan ennis is with us on the rip city drive you know dylan how good has tyler dorsey been in this tournament and the the conference tournament as well with the (laughs) shot against uh against rhode island just how good has he been and and why has he been so good uh you know tyler's been great for us uh you know there's a joke that we say you know somebody in the media called him mr march um but you know that statement couldn't be more true He's playing great basketball, and, you know, he's hitting big shots for us. Uh, you know, I, we all knew at Oregon, you know, he has that ability to score like that, but I can't even lie to you when I'm on the court, you know, sometimes you'll hit a shot and it'll surprise me like, oh, that was a tough one. But, you know, I ain't going to complain about it. Uh, but, you know, he's been playing great basketball, and I think he knows that, you know, we're trying to get him the ball a little bit more now when he gets on a roll. But, you know, his, his play couldn't have came at a better time. Now, Dylan, your nickname on the team is OG for Original yeah. Gangsta. How did you get that nickname, and who dubbed you that? I love it, man. OG, that's tough. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, it's Jordan. Jordan Bell gives everybody nicknames. Uh, he calls uh, Casey Benson AK. He calls because he's a great shooter. He calls Dylan Fat Boy Dylan Brooks. <laughs> When he he first got here, he was, you know, a little... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. But, you know, obviously he's thinned out, you know, got some muscle on him. So he just calls, he called me OG, and everybody started calling me that because, you know, being the older guy, having so much experience, you know, I take these guys under the wing as far as, you know, teaching them different things that they may have, may have not experienced or, you know, be that guy on the court that, you know, settles everybody down, gets everybody on the right page. And, you know, I love, I love the nickname. It sounds cool to me, and you know, I love everything behind it. So, you know, it's cool. You know, Dylan, you mentioned that experience. Obviously, Villanova's got a pretty good team themselves, and you've played for a couple of really good coaches now with Jay Wright uh, at Nova uh-huh. and now uh, now Dana Altman. What, what's the differences between those coaches? Um, you know, they're, they're both great coaches, both Hall of Fame coaches. Um, you know, I think that it's just a different style, you know, they approach the game with. Um, Coach Wright, he's definitely more of a, you know, motivational, you know, getting on you, you know, making sure that, you know, you're there for the team and you're trying to get the best out of you. Um, Coach Altman takes more of a, you know, hey, I'm going to let you, you know, play your game, be free, but, you know, the day that, the time that you step outside the box, you know, I'm going to let you know. Um, but, you know, the, it's, it's just two different styles, no worse, no better. Um, it's just different. You know, I think they're both great coaches. I think they both find a way to get the best out of their teams and their players. It's Dylan Ennis of the Oregon Ducks with the Rip City Drive. Travis and Chad here on Rip City Radio. You know, your story, it, it, it inspires me because you've been through so much and you've had to overcome, starting out at Rice and then you transferred to Villanova. You broke your foot and had to take all that time to to rehab and rehabilitate and get back out on the floor. So you have a different perspective maybe than some of your teammates or other guys in the tournament. What's it like for you after everything that you've gone through spiritually, emotionally, and physically to finally be at this point? Um, you know, it's great. Um, you know, I've been, I've been through a lot, you know, within the six years. You know, everybody has their story, you know, about, you know, their basketball journey. But, yeah. you know, I definitely think mine is definitely unique because, you know, it all happened in college. Uh, you don't hear a guy going to three schools. Uh, you don't hear a guy having six years. You don't hear a guy going down with season-ending injuries and coming back every day. Um, but, you know, I have to give all the grace to God. I kept my faith in him. Um, whenever I'd go from school to school, you know, it was never me, you know, taking the easy way out. I was always just trying to look out for the, the best, put myself in the best situation as a person and as a basketball player. Um, but the journey's been great, uh, you know, for me to finally – you know, it to come to an end and me being in the Final Four, you know, only God could have wrote that. And I'm just grateful that everything worked out how it did. How crazy has this year been? I mean, you guys were a top-five team to start the season. The, the buzzer beater against UCLA, buzzer beaters all over the place this year, 17 wins in a row. Just how much fun have you guys had? Oh, it's been great. It's been so much fun. Uh, you know, we've been through our ups and downs just like any team has, but, you know, we've had some – real high high moments emotionally. You know, the buzzer of Dylan Brooks at UCLA, um, you know, winning 17 in a row. You know, everything's been great. And it's been a year that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, not take, to take away from the other years I played basketball, but, you know, I would have to definitely put this one, you know, at the top. So to lose the way that you guys did to Oklahoma last year in the Elite Eight and then be back in the same position on Saturday night, 
how difficult is it to not think too much about that and not let that, you know, kind of bring you guys, you know, be it be, be a hindrance against you? Um, we actually use that as motivation against Kansas. Uh, you know, being there once in the Elite Eight and losing to Oklahoma, you know, it was tough. But, you know, we knew we didn't want to go back into that locker room with the same feeling. You know, a lot of guys get into that situation and say, oh, my God, like, you know, we don't want to lose again because we hate that. Feeling. No, we went in, we're like, hey, we're going to win this time. And, you know, I think, you know, that loss last year, obviously I didn't want it. But, you know, I think that loss last year definitely helped us this year. Hey, Dylan, be real with me. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind when you saw that last second shot by Michigan go up? Oh, to be 100% honest with you, I, everybody always says it's, it's not one play that, you know, determines the game. But, you know, when I missed those two free throws, you know, I was actually like, dang. But, you know, I turned to my teammate, Dylan Brooks, and yeah. Dylan said, hey, the game's not over. We got you. So then, Yeah, so then I turned to Tyler, and, you know, I said, hey, I got Walt. He goes, are you sure? I said, yes, I got him. Because I knew, you know, if – he was going if somebody was gonna take a shot, it's gonna be Walton, and that was gonna be our season, you know, if it went in. So, you know, I want to take that upon myself, and you know, I, he made a good play, and I made a good defensive play, you know, getting on the ball, and coach actually kept yelling, foul him, foul him, because we had two fouls to give. However, you know, you, I was just such in the moment, definitely wanted to get the stop for my team. So when it hit the front rim, and I looked back. You can watch the tape. I just put my hands on my knees, and I was like, oh, my God. Thank the Lord for that not going in. He hit it all game, and that was the only one he missed, and uh, it came at a good time. Now, I read, were you really 4 feet 11 inches tall in a, as a freshman in high school? Yes, that is what? completely true. What, what happened? Yeah, I, I, I want to know what you were eating at that time to cause a growth spurt so I can feed my children properly. What, 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 what happened? <laughs> well, I always thought, you know, when I was younger, uh, my feet were huge. My hands were big. My arms were long. Legs were long. And my parents would say, Dylan, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. <laughs> and, you know, I never believed it. I'd, I swear I'd pray on it before I went to sleep. Yeah. I would research, you know, things. I heard almonds or something like that makes you grow taller. So I just went to the store <laughs> and bought a couple almonds. Blue diamond, so I'd baby. Everything to... <laughs> I would do everything I could to grow, but it never happened until, you know, I hit my junior year in high school. That's when I started growing, you know, I started getting stronger, more athletic. You know, it just all came at once. And you know, I think I always had that underdog mentality because when you're small, you always have something to prove. So I just always feel like I have something to prove. That's why what makes me go. Well, Dylan, I'm 35 years old and I'm still waiting for my growth spurt. <laughs> eat almonds, Trav. Eat yeah, almonds. right. <laughs> hey, so uh, now you have yeah. North Carolina. I mean, they're what the one of the most storied programs in in all of college basketball, and you have a, a whole week to prepare for them. But going in, what makes them so tough? Uh, just the experience. Um, you know, they they've been there before. Just like we're in the Elite Eight, you know, and we use that as a learning tool. Hey, we, we're trying to make it back. We're trying to make it back there and win this time. They've been there. They've been to the national championship game. You know, they lost a few players, but their core, you know, played in the national championship game. They know what it takes, you know, to get there. Um, so that I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, you can talk about their rebounding. You can talk about their transition points. You can talk about them having the player of the year in the ACC. You know, that's all great and good. But I think to win this tournament, that experience you have, you know, goes such a long way. Hey, Dylan, I just want to encourage you to continue to live by faith, man. Uh, of course, all day. You know, I all my glories to God. You know, I definitely got you know a lot closer with him. You know, after the injury, uh, me and Casey Benson, who was a great, you know, 
person and, you know, one of my better friends on the team, uh, you know, he, he went to church, you know, all, every Sunday, you know, I decided to join him. And since then, you know, my faith's been stronger. And, you know, it's from there, you know, I have never looked back. You know, I always put God first. Dylan Ennis is with us, Oregon Ducks guard. They play North Carolina in the final four on Saturday. Dylan, I know it's busy for you, so we really appreciate you taking a, a few minutes out of your day for us. Thank you oh, so no much. Problem. Best of luck to you. Thanks, OG. Uh, <laughs> no problem. OG to the death of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dylan Ennis, man, he, he, he crushed it. awesome. I, I am so looking forward to that game. And you can tell there's just been so many things this team has had to deal with. And it's, you know, it, all leading up to where they are now. I, I'm excited to see them play North Carolina on Saturday, Chad. It's going to be great. I mean, when you hear that, this is what I was talking about when I mentioned the Ducks are a very likable group. Dylan Ennis is the type of guy that I pull for in life when you think about start out at Rice, transferred to Villanova, broke his foot, now he's at Oregon. The guy had to go through hell just to get yep. to where he's at today. And that's really what life is all about. When you face adversity, how do you respond to that? And now he's on the side of that. He's 25 years old, so he's got that age and a different perspective than his teammates. So in so many different ways, he is the leader of that team spiritually, emotionally, and mentally because he's tough. And he's had to go through so much to get here, and you can hear it in his voice. He's thankful and excited. Yep. And that doesn't sound to me like a guy that – is frightened by this stage. Coming up next, we turn our attention back to the Blazers as they get set for their biggest game of the season tomorrow night against the Denver Nuggets. Joe Freeman going to join us from the Oregonian. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Ah! Ah! Back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. It's 421 Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Joe Freeman is going to join us here in just a moment. You okay over there, Trav? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying what we had mentioned during the break. I'll tell you why, but don't. Yeah, just leave that. No, I We're understand good. that. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your fingers that were bleeding. Oh, that, yeah. I'm trying to make sure you're okay. Oh, no, You're I'm losing good. blood in the studio. I'm, I must have gotten bit by, like, a mosquito or something because I just I, I itched my ankle, and all of a sudden my hands are covered in blood. So I got I to gotta clean that up. There's a, maybe a spider or something. I don't know. Uh, Great way to start a segment, by the way. Well, speaking of that, I actually I, I have this habit. Well, I'll tell you later. It's kind of scary. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to freak people out too early in the day. All right. Our next guest covers the Blazers for the Oregonian. Follow him on Twitter, at Blazer Freeman. Joe Freeman joins the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on Rip City Radio. Joe, always a pleasure. You know, I've been watching the NBA for over 30 years, and I do not recall a player making the impact that Yusuf Nurkic has in such a short period of time. What is your reaction to Nurkic fever and the impact he's had on his team? Well, before we get into that, I need to know more about this scary habit. You can't <laughs> tease me like that, and you want to start talking about Yusuf Nurkic. What's going on there with the habit? Uh, well... <sighs> I hate to say this, but I have this habit of eating sometimes a nutrition bar in bed at nighttime. And I, I dropped a, a chocolate chip on the bed the night before. And when I got home last night, there was a little, I hate to say it, pile of ants in my bed. So I had to fumigate oh. and do a bunch of work. It creeped oh, me out, nice. Joe. That's a nightmare. 
I know. It's a nightmare. Yeah. You know what, though? That's what you get for eating in bed. I got to be honest. Like, if you're going to eat food in bed, you reap what you sow on that one. <laughs> you're right. And that's exactly what I've been told by multiple family members. It's like, that's on you, bro. That's on you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nurkic has been ridiculous. And uh, he's really been, you know, the exact tonic that the Blazers have needed to sort of cure their ails. Uh, obviously, they're having a ridiculous march. They've been great since the All-Star break. Um, and, you know, it, it, when you go back to, to Mason and everything that he did for this team, players loved him. His teammates loved him. Coaching staff loved him. But fit-wise, what we're seeing is that he really – Nurkic fit-wise fits a lot better than Mason did with this roster. You know, and we talked about this the last time I was on, just a big-body guy who can clog the lane a little bit more on defense. And I think he's been a much better shot blocker than we thought, obviously. But his passing has been – you know, almost as good, if not, you know, on par with Mason's and everything else he provides with scoring and the block and just a different dimension on offense. He's been excellent down the fourth quarter of many games. I just think all that stuff combined just fits with this Blazers team better than Mason did. Now Mason did a lot for this team and, and was a good player. And, and I think most of the team is, is quick to, to say that, but yeah. I think in every, in every, mostly in every way, Nurkic is just a better fit for this team. That, that's what I, what I've noticed. What about the, the, the aspect of the off the floor and the way the players are getting along and just how he's ingrained his personality into this team and how easily they all seem to get along together, both on and off the floor. Well, I mean, if you talk to any player, I was just talking to Damian about this uh, last week on that trip we were on. I mean, maybe it was two weeks ago. It all blends together. But that long road trip we were on, and he said, look, you know, we've all we've gotten along great all season. Even when we were losing, it was a tight locker room. And so when you're a guy who is chomping at the bit for any opportunity to play, when you're liberated by leaving a situation in which you're not even playing suddenly you went from the center of the future to a guy now behind the center of the future. When you're able to leave that situation to get liberated and then to go in a locker room where they're already tight, when it's already a good vibe, and all of a sudden you have this positivity, you know, bringing on you, the, the mix of all that I think is, is, has been excellent for this team. And, you know, again, Nurkic has been liberated. The Blazers, uh, that was the first thing that I noticed. I think I wrote this after his third or fourth game is, you could just feel there was a different energy and a different uh, emotion with this team on the court. Uh, it was really a boring team, a team that was struggling, that was struggling from the same problems night after night. And his energy and, and just spunk that he brought, uh, you know, really uplifted the team in a lot of ways. We're talking with Joe Freeman of the Oregonian here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Have you got a sense from him? I know he told Wheels after the game on Saturday that the opportunity to play that game tomorrow night is a dream. Have you gotten a sense from him how much that game means to him? You know, he kind of goes back and forth on that because, you know, there was a couple games after he first arrived when I asked him, uh, I can't remember how I phrased it, but it elicited a response of, I don't care about Denver. I don't want to talk about what happened there. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. I'm focused on winning. Um, But there has to be any human, there has to be a deep part of you that, is eagerly looking forward to facing your former team, a team that, you know, essentially you went, like I said, from a center of the future to an afterthought. uh, And then you ended up being a guy that they not only traded away, but they threw a first round pick in with you to get rid of you. So, um, and really that trade has worked out very well for both sides. It's the rare, the rare trade that both teams benefit because 
Mason has been very good for Denver. He fits into what they're doing a little more, I think. And so it's worked out for both sides. But I don't think there's any question that, that Nurkic is going to be um, very excited to play his former team and, and probably a little bit looking for blood. Joe, we've talked about just how remarkable it is that the Blazers are even in this position right now, considering where they were at the All-Star break, where they were when they made the trade. It's easy to point at Nurkic for a lot of different reasons, but how different has the rest of the team been in this this last month or so? Oh, it's been night and day, virtually everyone across the roster. Uh, And it's a combination of things. Nurkic, I think, was the first domino uh, to fall. And then all of a sudden you had a rejuvenated Damian Lillard who has taken his game to an insane level since the All-Star break. And then the combination of those two guys, it's kind of trickled down from there. CJ's still doing his thing. Alan Crabb is, you know, playing quietly, really having a pretty good season. He's third in the NBA in three-point shooting. Um, And then Aminu's healthy. And and I think we sort of, you know, that was an underrated aspect of he can be hard to watch sometimes. You never know what's going to happen when he when he has the ball in his hands. But defensively, very important for this team. Um, and so, you know, on down the roster, and we one of the more overlooked aspects of this team over the last two, three weeks is Noah Vonley, who finally is starting to fulfill a lot of that potential that he that he supposedly had. And, and you know, you talk about Nurkic's impact. I okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No it's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. He's had a big impact on, on Noah, opening the court a little bit for him, uh, sort of allowing Noah to do, to, to do the things that he does well. And so um, really, like I said, first domino was Nurkic, then Dame, and then everything fell into place. And then, you know, confidence and, and momentum and all that stuff is very uh, – it, it happens quickly in the NBA. As quickly as it comes, it goes. And right now it's coming at a very fast pace, and, and it's, the team seems a little invincible right now at least – uh, in their chase for that eighth seed. Hey, Joe, in regards to Aminu, how much freedom does he have on the floor? And what I mean by that is, is that I wish I could read Terry Stott's mind when Aminu gets that circus act going with the dribbling, when he's handling the ball a lot. <laughs> and how much of a green light does he have to fire away from downtown? I mean, Terry's entire system is predicated on uh, free freedom as a player, openness to if you have a shot within the system, 
it's bad for the play. It's bad for the, the system. It's bad for the team if you don't take the shot. So whoever it is, if they're open and, and they have a shot to take, they are not only encouraged but urged to take that shot. So he has the green light if he's open and he sees fit to shoot. Um, and then obviously you want the ball in Dame and CJ's hands as much as possible to initiate yeah. offense and, yes. and Evan too. Um, but if, 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 if Aminu's in the open floor, whatever happens after he touches that ball, he's, he's got the confidence of the staff. I mean, that was one thing we talked about a lot last season, uh, just talking with Terry and talking with the players about, and specifically Aminu, because, you know, he had a lot of this freedom last year. It was a very hit and miss thing then, too. But he really found a stride late in the season, and he was a huge part of the Blazers' late season run. And so, um, you know, Terry's system is, is, is one of those that it's, it's open and free for the players with the hope that it instills confidence in them. And, and, you know, right now we're seeing that. But the answer to your question, long-winded, is he has, he has the green light to shoot when he thinks it's, uh, when it's a good shot. There, were, there was a lot of talk, especially by fans, around the trade deadline that this is Damien's team or this is CJ's team. And it was, all, it was strange how split that was, that fans were taking one side instead of the other as opposed to saying, they're both our guys. Let's keep both of our guys and build this team. It was really interesting to see that kind of develop. But has it been pretty much well established now once again that this is Damien's team? Well, it, if you're asking for my opinion, I always thought it was Damien's team. I don't think there was ever any doubt. Uh, when they blew up the roster two years ago and gave him a max, the richest contract in franchise history, uh, you know, he took over that mantle. And, and he's really, quite frankly, an excellent leader, a model leader for any team. And so I never thought he wasn't the guy. Uh, and it was kind of interesting to see all that because Damien, obviously, he wasn't playing bad, but he – certainly wasn't at the level he is now but something just he didn't have that oomph for whatever reason uh and then you sort of saw that upswing because cj was playing so well and i had had sort of i think i talked about this on our podcast but we sort of reached peak taking damien for granted phase you know this guy who's done so much in his career in such a short amount of time for a city you kind of reached that point where i think fans got to the point where they were taking him for granted uh, and I think that's quickly been absolved. I think we've seen how important he is, how dominant he can be, and when he is playing at such a high level, how good this team can be. So that was all very uh, – just a combination of weird things, and, and I didn't quite understand it beyond the fact that, that CJ was playing so well. But I guess, you know, really the crux of the whole, or the crux of the whole argument is whether or not Dame and CJ can be the long-term answer in the backcourt for this team – a lot of people think no, and so I think that's probably where that the genesis of where that comes from is. Uh, you know, I hear it with the guys I play basketball with. They don't. There's a few guys that don't think that you can get to the highest levels with those two guys playing together just because of their size and their games and stuff. Um, so I would guess you know that's partly where it comes from too. What's your opinion on that, Joe? Do you think this team can compete for a championship with their defensive deficiencies in the backcourt together? Well, I think you have to surround them, yes, if you surround them with the right players. Yes, okay. If you, Yeah, I, I think you can have that backcourt if you have strong defensive players around them, and I think we've seen a little bit with Nurkic and, and what he can do. Uh, he's by no means uh, an, an excellent defender, but he's so huge, and he has such quick feet, and he, he can show on pick and rolls, and he can you know get back when he needs to. 
And he's, at the very least, a threat to block a shot. And in fact, he's a very legitimate threat to block a shot. We've seen him rack up three, four, five a game some nights. Uh, and so that's a threat that this team hasn't had. So if you surround Damian and CJ with you know, him or guys like him and other strong defensive players, I think it, it can work. But uh, Mason was another – that was another way that Mason, I think, wasn't the answer also. Um, and so I side on, on, you know, maybe you certainly want a bigger backcourt, at least in one of those positions, and it's not, it's not something that you should completely overlook. But if you surround them with the right players, I think they can, they can exceed at high levels. Joe, tomorrow night's obviously an important game for a, a lot of reasons, the playoffs specifically. But when, when you do this as long as you've been doing it and go to as many games as, as we've all gone to over the years, it, it's hard sometimes to get excited for a regular season game, no matter how big it is. Do, do you find yourself looking forward to tomorrow night's game a little bit more than some of the others of late? No question. For a variety of reasons. I mean, first of all, Blazers are a team that is underwhelmed all season. Until now, they finally hit their stride. It's a huge game for obvious reasons from that standpoint. The tiebreaker is huge from that standpoint. To, to get the 3 and one season record, to take that uh, one-game lead, essentially a two-game lead, is, is crazy important. And then you've got the Nurkic-Mason Plumley aspect tied in. You've got a thirsty fan base that is kind of feeling uh, not only Nurkic fever, but just Blazers fever right now. I, I noticed that swelling up a little bit more. You've got Denver is amazingly fun to watch. They play a very fun brand of basketball. They're also playing at a high level. The Blazers have been fun to watch. I think, you know, there's just a, a, a variety of, of reasons that sort of put them all together. It makes for a, an appealing, alluring game. Um, playoff standings, talent, the Nurkic-Mason factor, it, it should be a fun night. And you, you're definitely right, Travis. A Tuesday night game <laughs> in February against, Milwaukee or, you know, they're pretty good this year. But the Knicks, that Knicks game was awful. The other night. <laughs> Something yeah. like that does not get it going for me uh, at this point in my life, covering this team for 10 years. But tomorrow night, Nuggets at the Moda Center, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Joe, I'm a Knicks fan and it didn't do anything for me. Exactly. And that team should not do anything for you. That was they don't. embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's I, right. That was one of the worst games I've seen all year. That and the first half of last oh. night's Laker game. Oh, God, yeah. It's, and, you know, you reach this point where there are teams who are blatantly trying to lose games. And, you know, you have, like, the Suns are pulling any remotely good player they have left except yes. for a couple young guys. And it's just, we've reached a point where let's just get this done and do the playoffs and see what, see what we have, you know. He's on Twitter, at Blazer Freeman. It's Joe Freeman from the Oregonia. Joe, we'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for the time. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's my pleasure, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Take All care. right, Joe. Thanks so much. I'm excited. I can't I wait too. for the game. It's so awesome to have this game with so much meaning. And then you've got the side issue of Yusuf Nurkic going up against a team that discarded him like a piece of garbage, like yep. a soiled napkin. And he's got a chance to get back at them tomorrow night. And the best part in all of this, the guy that they discarded is going to be the one that keeps them out of the playoffs. Yep. The Nuggets made the move. For Plumlee because they thought that is the final piece that we need. And they want it bad. They want to make the playoffs badly. And yet the guy they discarded to Portland, Travis, is going to be the reason they don't make it because he's been so great, a perfect fit in Portland. Look, at, at the time of the deal, and you can even still argue right now that that was the right deal to make. Now, where is it going to get you? It's going to get you to the postseason 
and that's about it. They haven't been there in four years. They've been past the first round once in the last 23 years. That fan base desperately wants something, and they're trying to give their fan base something. If they go to the playoffs, they'll lose in the first round, just like the Blazers most likely would. It's just having their fan base have something at all to be excited about. And with Jokic and Nurkic on the floor together, it didn't work. Plumlee and Jokic on the floor together does work. So the deal made sense for Denver, but it also made sense for Portland. So it just happened to be that the deal that worked out for you works out even better for somebody else, and it's going to come right back to bite you in the behind. Do you think Nurkic can stay out of early foul trouble tomorrow night. You know, Dan made a really good point. Dan Sheldon last night on Talking Ball made a good point that in these types of games where there's a lot of energy and emotion, and it will be an emotional game for Yusuf Nurkic, whether he wants to admit it or not, and he is starting to admit it, sometimes when you get amped up and you have that extra just, "Mm," that you want to just do it, that's when you get into foul trouble, and that's why he's got to be extra careful. On the, on the contrast of that, I don't want him to be so careful that he's not aggressive defensively. I would agree with that. you got to be aggressive and play your game, and I would expect him to do that. And if I'm the Nuggets, knowing what Nurkic means to this team and what that game means tomorrow night, attack him early. You've got Jokic, attack him. See yeah. if you can get him out of the game. See if you can force him onto the bench. Because you know what that means if he's on the bench. Myers Leonard has to come in, and that's advantage Denver. For lack of a better term, take him out. I'm not talking about, you know, sweep the leg. I'm not talking about going, you know, Tanya Harding on him. I'm talking about getting him into foul trouble. You're exactly right. Do what you got to do to get him off of the floor because, in a lot of ways, he is the catalyst for this team. Yes. Who was it? Washington. In the game they lost at home, they attacked him early in the game with Gortat. They got Nurkic in foul trouble. He had to ride the pine, didn't get to play as much on the floor as he's accustomed to, and it took him out of his rhythm and flow, and that's advantage opposing team when that happens. It is, and that's that's smart basketball. You know, if, if the Blazers are going up against, um, you know, New Orleans, okay, and you can get either Cousins or Davis or both of them into foul trouble, it's your advantage because they're a much worse team without one of those guys or both those guys on the floor. You've got to do it. 25 years later... History repeated itself, and it opened a door for this college basketball legend to troll. You'll find out who next. It's the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Now, back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. (laughs) Oh, here we go again. All right, 444 Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Now, Trav, I'm aware that you love college basketball. I do. Did you know that yesterday was the 25-year anniversary? anniversary? I'm sorry, the the what? The the 25-year anniversary of the shot heard around the world. I did know that, actually. Yes, of course you did, because you're a college basketball fan. Now, of course, for those of you who don't know that play, maybe some younger guys out there, younger ladies, Duke and Kentucky, one of the all-time classics. And I'll ask you, I'll defer to you, Trav. Yeah. Is that the greatest game ever played? I don't know if it's the greatest game, but it's the most memorable finish. All right, so here's the situation. Duke and Kentucky. Duke is down by one, and they need a long court pass to set up the shot. 
4.2 seconds left. Grant Hill with the inbound looking for Christian Leitner. Quick pass to half court and call a quick timeout so they can get in better shooting range. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Yes! There you go. That's the play. The shot heard around the world. Duke goes on. They win that game, knock out Kentucky. They go on to win the national championship. Yep. Special. Well, yesterday we had another number 32 for North Carolina in the final moments of that game against Kentucky who stepped up to knock out the Cats. Seven seconds to go. Here comes Pinson down the center of the floor. Pinson penetrates. Hands to May. 18-footer. Good! With three-tenths of a second to go. North Carolina leads. Luke May from just inside the left arc. After Monk at the three to tie the game, Pinson penetrated. Got it out to May. May hit it from just inside the left arc. 75-73 North Carolina with three-tenths of a second to go. Kentucky goes down in flames again on a last-second shot. And so, that finish, by the way, the final minute of that game was unreal. It was awesome. That's one of the best Elite Eight games I may have ever seen. That yeah. was awesome. It was an awesome game. Frantic finish because the Cats, when they survived a 10-0 run by North Carolina. 12-0. Was it 12-0? So they looked like they had put the game away, and then yet Kentucky responded and put themselves back in a position to tie it. It looked like it might go into overtime. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal finish. We had some great finishes over the weekend, man. Yes. That Florida-Wisconsin game, nuts. Awesome. When you think of college basketball players most hated all time, Christian Leitner. Okay. Easy. Christian Leitner. And you would agree with that? Yes. You understand it? 100%. So last night, Leitner, the former Duke All-American, he congratulated North Carolina's Luke May, who made that shot, and he tweeted this out. Trolling. Luke, my son, may the force of the number 32 be with you. Hashtag UNC downs the cats. Hashtag the shot lives. Yes. You know what I love about Christian Leitner? While he might be one of the most hated guys of all time, he understands that and he embraces that Oh, he role. thrives on it. He loves it. Yeah. I can't believe he actually did that and had to pile on Kentucky again. And what makes it more unique is that Duke and North Carolina are rivals. They hate each other. But yet he couldn't resist the temptation to take a shot at Kentucky. Well, look, I, I get that they don't like uh, North Carolina, but... Wouldn't you rather have your your brother win that game than somebody else, especially somebody that you can't stand like Kentucky? Yes. So who do you, does Duke, is Duke like number one on your list? You hate Duke, right? No, I don't really hate Duke. Um, I hate Syracuse. That's the team that I hate number one. Easy. Okay, so Syracuse. Oh, it was Grayson Allen that you despise. Oh, yeah. This year, yeah, of course. I can't stand Grayson Allen. But Syracuse is number one on my list of teams that I can't stand. So are you happy with the Final Four being composed the way it is this year? Sure. Oregon, Gonzaga, and then you've got North Carolina, who everyone knows, and South Carolina. Do you like having a mixture of teams instead of the traditional powers? Uh, I definitely do. I got nothing against Carolina. I've never been a real fan of them, but I've got nothing against them. And that South Carolina, that story is just awesome. <laughs> you had a way of describing Frank Martin, their head coach. He looks like an Eastern European hitman. <laughs> he does. He's got the flat head, not a flat top. He's got like that flat block head. The hair, the way... I mean, he looks like a, a middle-aged Eastern European hitman. He looks like... From, like, well, the Czech Republic. Yes. He looks like a guy that Papa Nurkic would be chasing after. Exactly. Trying to shut down. That they might be on rival sides, you know? Okay, so explain this to me. I do not understand why 
South Carolina is a six-and-a-half-point underdog to Gonzaga after the run they put on in the tournament. It, the reason why I ask that is it feels like the odds makers are begging. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. ...you to take the Gamecocks. What is going on there? Because they are playing lights out right now. Well, look, you know as well as I do, Vegas' job is to get equal money on both sides, right? Yeah. The number one seed is going to appeal to a lot of people. And if you see that a number one is going up against the number seven and they're a six and a half point favorite, that doesn't seem like a lot of points. And it really isn't. South Carolina has been very good in this tournament. But before that, they've been just kind of an okay team. This is the best basketball they have played in the history of the program. So while it's been a nice run of two weeks and a nice run of, of four games, it could just go up and smoke at any time. Do you think South Carolina, like Oregon, like Gonzaga, like North Carolina, has got a legitimate chance to win it all? Would you say they're the weakest of the four? Well, yeah. I mean, based on history, based on this season, based on the entire course of 2016-2017, they've been the least consistent. They've got a couple of great players, but they've been the least consistent. They've had the the fewest amount of wins, the most amount of losses, their lowest seed, and they're the team that, they they don't they don't strike me as a team that is going to every single night give you that effort. Oregon, Gonzaga, North Carolina will. But South Carolina, it could just all evaporate at any time. I would agree with that. I'm I'm intrigued by South Carolina because I like teams that come out of nowhere, but I think it's Cinderius Thornwell that I'm most excited he's about. He's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. Do you think he's NBA type? Is he yeah. an NBA legit talent? Yeah, I mean, but but where? Like, I mean, he made himself a lot of money this week, sure. But is he going to be a guy that had a great tournament and then becomes just an average middle-of-the-road NBA player? That's kind of what I think. Yeah, At I think least so that's too. what my mind tells me. I mean, look at Buddy Heald, right? He got himself into the top 10 last year by having an obscene tournament. And he's a 24-year-old rookie. That's he's okay. Hmm. But this time last year... Oh, Buddy Heald. I mean, he's going to be the number one pick. Buddy Heald is amazing. Is the most appealing final to you, Oregon and Gonzaga? To me, yeah, without question. To the nation, would it be Gonzaga, North Carolina? No, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it's, I, it might even be North Carolina, South Carolina, because South Carolina uh, at least has the name recognition more than uh, Gonzaga. Because if you haven't heard of the South Carolina basketball program, you've heard of the state, South Carolina. Would you say the most unattractive matchup in the final to the network would be Oregon-South Carolina? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. 
And that wouldn't do well in the ratings, would it? I don't think so. But again, I mean, it, ratings have proven over and over and over again that blue blood programs and the most recognizable programs are going to give you the best ratings. All right. You know what time it is? I do. It's time for the Degenerate Dime of the Day. We've all thrown down a couple of bucks on a game, right? Uh, you know, win some, lose some. But Travis and Chad take it a step further. They got in the Hawaii game. I know Degenerate's been on the Hawaii game. It's time for the Degenerate Dime of the Day on the Rip City Drive. Brought to you by DPI Solar. Imagine if you never had to pay an electricity bill again. Visit dpisolar.com. By the way, Chad, really quick, I I wanted to say this before we got into this. South Carolina lost six of their final nine games heading into the tournament. (laughs) They lost a four-overtime game to Alabama. They lost to Arkansas, to Vanderbilt, uh, Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama. How did they turn it around? Well, they were really good. They were 19-4 and before that stretch. Yeah, but to go through that stretch and now all of a sudden playing as well as anybody? I don't know how they did it. On offense. That's the part that's so strange. Steroids. It was steroids. I I do feel better after picking them on Friday. I'm starting to rebound after a slow start on the show, the new show, Travis and Chad and the Degenerate Dime of the Day. So you were 2-3 and last week. Uh, Listener James was uh, 3-2. and You were 2-3. and James was 3-2. and I was 3-1-1, and and I got helped out by the buzzer beater from Florida to give me a push on Friday night. So what do you got tonight? I'm going to take the Cavs. This is probably risky. On the road at San Antonio. Last I saw it was five. I'll take the Cavs plus five at the Spurs. Right. Now, when you gave that to me, yes, it was plus five. Our listener, Mark, this week, he had the Spurs minus four. So he's got the Spurs minus four, the same game that you have the Cavs plus five based on when he got those picks in. All right. I was thinking about taking the over-under so we would have that game all clean across the board. But I'm going to go Pelicans-Jazz uh, under 201. Okay, that works. Second of a back-to-back for the Pelicans, so likely that they'll struggle a bit on offense. Good call, Trav. Let me see if that's changed really quick. Uh, Pelicans-Jazz. Yeah, that's now at 198. Everybody's taking the under. So I like my 201. All right, the Ducks. In their first Final Four since 1939, What's it going to take for them to get over the top and win the championship? We'll talk with former Duck, Rob Kloss. He's up next here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. It's time for the Rip City Drive. Rip City the Rip City Radio. Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. All right, 501 Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. The Oregon Ducks making their first trip to the Final Four since 1939. Our next guest is a former Oregon Duck himself and a good friend. Rob Kloss joins the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on Rip City Radio, your home of the Blazers. Hey, Rob, thanks for the time. I just want to say congratulations. I can't imagine what that must have felt like for you when Oregon finally got it done and was making their first trip to the Final Four. The last time they did it, there were 48 states. Yeah, well, first of all, Travis and Chad, thanks for having me on. And, and you know, um, really, uh, you know, get, going to the Final Four is not only for all the old players and all the old coaches that have never been there before, but uh, 
it's going to be kind of a neat reunion. I, I booked my flight a couple weeks, a couple months ago, I should say, before I even thought, I never thought Oregon was going to be there. I just wanted to get out of the rain to go to Phoenix. So uh, I made my reservations a while ago, but uh, what a bonus to have both Gonzaga and Oregon down there. But, uh, and I, I think, you know, this is the first time that three teams, because arguably, I mean, back when Oregon played in the final four, there was only eight teams. So they won one game to get to the final four. So I don't think you can count that. So now it's a 64 team tournament. So three teams are going to the final four for the first time in school history, in my opinion. Rob, first of all, the last couple of times Chad had you on, I, I was not in. So personally, I'm, I'm happy that he had you on on a, on a day that I am here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you for joining us. No, it's good to talk to you, Travis. Welcome. I know you've been here for a little while now, but I've been meaning to uh, send you a little congratulatory card, and and uh, it's excellent to uh, have you guys on the drive. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, all your support. I know Chad speaks very highly of you. Looking forward to meeting you here pretty soon. So you, you look at what we've seen now this past weekend from Oregon. They didn't just beat Kansas. They were in control of that game from, from wire to wire. Did that surprise you? Well, uh, first of all, I got to tell you that I had uh, them losing this game in my bracket because of the fact that they were going to be playing in Kansas. And I, I looked at that and I said, that's going to be a real tough one to overcome. Uh, and this was way before, uh, you know, their run started uh, before the tournament began, because I think when you lose a kid like Chris Boucher, uh, that's going to affect you at some point down the line. But uh, what Oregon's been doing, I mean, they held Kansas at 28% shooting, lowest in, in uh, of the season, 60 points, uh, their lowest season total. So they did an excellent job. And, and I told somebody before that game that I thought that Oregon matched up really well with Kansas personnel-wise, and it was just a matter of getting the two guards not to score 60 points which means that uh, you have to stay in front of those kids so that you don't allow the penetration and make sure and get a hand up on all their jump shots but uh, they did an excellent job and and the way Oregon plays defense uh, I think is pretty phenomenal most of the perimeter players are interchangeable you notice that they'll switch a lot of the screens out front but the main thing is you really cannot allow to go anybody to go underneath a lot of those high picks and and allow a good three-point shooting team uh, to get off. Hey, Rob, what's been the biggest surprise to you in regards to the loss of Boucher and they've been able to go on this run that none of us thought they'd be able to accomplish? Is it a particular player or a situation? What has surprised you the most with what they've accomplished without Boucher? Okay, so when you lose 12 points, three blocks, and seven rebounds, as a team, you have to say, okay, how can we come up and, and, and make up for that? Well, I think we've got a couple prime examples. Jordan Bell uh, in that Kansas game, he was both Boucher and Bell. I mean, eight blocks, that's about what those kids come up with on a good game. Uh, he had a double-double, so he did extremely well there. Tyler Dorsey, he's had, all he's done is add nine points to his regular season average in the postseason uh, before the uh, Pac-12 tournament, he only had four 20-point games, and none of he didn't have 20-point games consecutively in any of those games in the in the regular season. Now he's got seven in a row. He's increased his average, like I said, by nine points. So that's a, an example. You notice that all the guards um, are going back on the defensive boards to uh, make sure that uh, there's no second shots. That that that's a situation that I've really been noticing that as a team. Uh, Dorsey, Pritchard, Ennis uh, is, uh, had a game where he had uh, like nine rebounds. Everybody's making a concentrated effort to try and allow their opponent just one shot. 
You look at what Jordan Bell has been able to do, and I, I've heard the narrative from, from Duck fans today that, well, imagine if we had Boucher and Bell together, just how great would that be? And, it, and I kind of stick to the thought that Bell has stepped it up because he's had to, that I don't think those two guys together would be a, a much more of a dramatic impact, that, that Bell has been so good because he's, he's been forced into that situation. Yeah, I, I, that's a really, really good observation, Travis. And and uh, I think Bell right now is, is shining. Uh, he's he's very, very active. Uh, he he's in a situation right now where he has to to do that. Uh, you know, somebody said, "Well, you're missing Boucher's uh, three point shooting and and how he stretches the court." Well, I don't think Oregon's lacking in three point shooters. I think, <laughs> you know, between the guards, uh, uh, you got the Pac-10 Player uh, of the Year. Uh, you know that that's that can really fill it up, and and you're looking at a situation where I don't think that's that's missing. The only thing about that is is uh, a three point shooter, the six foot ten, really doesn't have to worry about him getting a shot block. But uh, um, I think that that you're right. Jordan Bell is just saying, hey, I've really got to step up. I got to watch my fouls. You notice he hasn't really been in foul trouble, and and I think it's a concerted effort. But he's just by by far and away the last two games the MVP. Former Oregon Duck Rob Kloss on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Hey, Rob, what is something you've learned about Coach Altman over the last few years that maybe you didn't know when they hired him? Well, um, first of all, I knew he was a grinder. I knew that uh, he cared very much for his kids. It took a lot to get him out here. and I can name a number of different uh, situations. Uh, you know, he's really a, a big family man. His father uh, and, and is is very close to, and I know that uh, he comes out to as many games as he can. But gosh, I mean, what more can the guy do? In 2013, he was National Coach of the Year. I think he's won three Pac-12 Coaches of the Year, and arguably, you know, might have got job this year. I thought he did an excellent job. Two straight Pac-12 championships. I talked to him, and he said, "I hope in 20 years the kids realize." what they've accomplished and now that was way before uh, the end of the year uh, and before the uh, NC2A tournament but uh, at 33 and 5 I think what I've realized about him in the seven years he's been here is he cares about his kids uh, genuinely and uh, I think he really wants to take care of his coaching staff Kevin McKenna Terry Stubblefield Mike Menenga and Josh Jamison are all examples of guys that have been around with him for a long time and they haven't gone anywhere um, uh, I think Dana really does a great job of uh, uh, coaching the kids up. Uh, if anything, I've, I've learned one thing is that he, in practice, doesn't delegate that much, but that's how much he cares. He pays attention to every little detail. You know, Rob, you look at the, the future, and you hope Oregon can sustain it. We've seen a lot of programs in the last 20 years get to one Final Four and never get back. Uh, but they've got a, a good recruiting class coming in, this kid Troy Brown out of uh, Vegas is getting a, a, a ton of uh, pub about how good he is. But let's say that there is a, a group of several of these key players that aren't back next year from graduation or going to the draft. How do they sustain it? Well, uh, I think what, what you have to do is, is Dana, uh, throughout the seven years that he's been there, I don't know if you remember his first couple of years, but everybody thought it was going to be a horrible year. He typically coaches kids up, uh, and at the end of the year, you, all of a sudden you say, man, they've really improved, and look at where they're at. They've, they won a Pac-12 championship, and I think they were picked seventh in the league one year. Uh, but, but what he does is he really – 
gets players to fit his system. And his system, if you notice, a lot of times it's based on motion. They they put a premium on the three-point shot. Kids like to play. They like to get up and down. But this year, uh, the kids are buying into defense. Tyler Dorsey, you know, was asked a question on national media, you know, what's the difference? He says, well, I've just been concentrating on defense and rebounding. Well, as we all know, Tyler Dorsey was a scoring machine coming in. So that's a change in mentality. But he believes in it. And then all of a sudden now he's got seven games in a row where he's got over 20 points and hit that big shot against Rhode Island. But I think Dana uh, and his staff have done a phenomenal job of covering the country. Obviously, they've done a great job in Montreal and Canada, and I think a lot of that has to do with what Mike Meninga's been bringing to the table. But uh, it's obviously keeping a pipeline. It's an unbelievably uh, strenuous job recruiting is because uh, to have your your livelihood depend on the whims of an uh, you know 17 to 18 year old kid and now some of these kids are getting recruited in the ninth grade uh, or even earlier uh, is a pretty tough job but I think the coaching staff down there does a phenomenal job. You know what impresses me? We spoke with Dylan Ennis earlier on the show. There doesn't seem to be any fear in this group of ducks as they get ready to take on a national power in North Carolina. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, North Carolina has lost seven games. Uh, my big concern about uh, uh, North Carolina is their overall size. I mean, you got uh, uh, the big kid Kennedy Meeks, I believe is his name, 6'10", 260. I mean, he got 17 boards against Kentucky. Um, I mean, what a game that was. But uh, that Luke May, was it Mayo, that walk-on kid, 17 points, makes that big shot. I mean, I mean, that's pretty incredible. But, but somehow uh, can't, uh, North Carolina's lost seven games, and uh, uh, Oregon's lost five. Uh, by the way, 33-5, and five, the highest uh, winning uh, oh. amount of games they've ever had. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. But, uh, but I, my big concern for the, for the next game uh, is, is the overall height. I think that uh, uh, they could really get hurt in the board. So Cavell Bigby-Williams might have to play some more. But I, I don't think uh, – I think Dylan hit it in the head. Uh, I don't think they should be scared of any. There you go. Rob Kloss, ladies and Rob? gentlemen. I think so. Yeah. He did bring up a good point about the rebounding, and you were talking about the boards. In fact, you were talking about some of the different things they would need to do to be able to beat Kansas, and that's rebound. One thing we know about the Tar Heels, and Rob brought it up, they're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. The Ducks are going to have to make sure they they protect the glass and continue to rebound as a team so they can, you know. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Keep Carolina from having those second chance point opportunities. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you before uh, we get this connected there was sometimes when a program has a run that 
is, I don't want to say out of character, but better than they've ever done. People want to find excuses. Well, Gonzaga beat Xavier, and Xavier's just kind of, and they beat West Virginia. They're not a great team, blah, 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 blah. Well, you get through Michigan. You get through Kansas. If you win, you're going to have to get through North Carolina and then get through a number one seed in Gonzaga, potentially. There's no excuses there. Those are great programs. No doubt. Rob Kloss is with us once again. Rob, I'm glad you're alive. It sounded like you just vanished off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about being on a hard line. All of a sudden, the hard line goes down. Right. But now I'm on my cell phone. <laughs> Rob, I, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you heard what I was saying there, but th- there's no excuses if they do end up winning this. Even getting to this point, beating Michigan and then Kansas and then North Carolina, if they get through this game, there. This is this is not going to be one of those situations where you can point at them and say, well, their road wasn't all that tough. These are blue blood programs they're taking on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, totally opposite of what you just said. I mean, they have had to grind out. They've been an underdog in each game. And and I think uh, Oregon likes that underdog mentality. I talked to, I mean, talk, I heard Dylan Brooks talking about that and how about his year pac-12 player of the year uh in the last five games i think he's averaging about 20 points so if he goes off uh i mean he has not really played his best offensively but uh uh they've had to grind and they've grinded in different ways so uh no i would disagree with anybody that would argue they've had an easy road well rob we really appreciate your time enjoy your trip to the final four i know how much this means to you and travis i really appreciate you making the show a better place today Thank you so much, you guys. Have a great show, and uh, we'll be in touch. I'll see you soon. All right, go Ducks. Thanks so much, Rob. That's a good man. Quality human being, Rob Kloss. Yeah, he, he's a class act, and he, he knows what he's talking about. Yes, and the one thing that strikes me about him, and, you know, he he mentioned that Altman said that he, he hopes that his players will remember what they accomplished. Yeah. The one thing that's striking about Rob, when you go into his office, he works in downtown, he's got a poster an old-school Oregon Duck team poster from his team with the Ducks, and it's got all the different headshots of all the different players that he played with. He can go right down the line and tell you where that player's at, what their wife's name is, their family, where they're living, what's going on in their life. And what that struck me, and this is just a few weeks ago, I learned how important the team really is. These guys, they're like brothers, and they're a family, and these experiences that they have, Right now and in the Final Four, they'll talk about these experiences and these memories for a lifetime. Yep. That's special. And there is, there's no drama. No. There's no negativity. There is no, uh, you know, controversy. None of that. Not just with Oregon, with any of the teams left. Yeah. It's special. It really is special. In fact, speaking of special, Jerry Allen, you get a chance to hear the emotion in his voice when the Ducks made it to the Final Four. And you're going to be surprised. A striking contrast between Nuggets head coach Mike Malone and Damian Lillard. Their thoughts on the game tomorrow night at the Moda Center. It's all next on the Further Review here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Sometimes we need a second look to get it right. The previous play is on the further review. And sometimes we still get it wrong. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. 
It's time to get under the hood and take a closer view of the biggest stories of the day. All the, all the players are doing now is they're just falling down to get a call. And it's, it's, it's a disgrace to the game of basketball. It's time for the Further Review, presented by Canby Ford on Rip City Radio. Put flags on everybody. That's it. No more tackling. <laughs> It is time for the further review on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Great interview there with Rob Kloss. First time I've had an opportunity to talk to him. He is fantastic. Love him. He loves Oregon. And I just can't imagine what it feels like for him and anyone else associated with the program to see what the Ducks were able to do, knocking off Kansas and making their first trip to the Final Four since 1939. Earlier today, we spoke with Dylan Ennis of the Oregon Ducks. If you missed that conversation, you can find it at RipCityRadio.com. But he talked about playing at a couple of different places, finally making his way to Eugene. You don't hear a guy going to three schools. Uh, you don't hear a guy having six years. You don't hear a guy going down with season-ending injuries and coming back every day. Um, but, you know, I have to give all the grace to God. I kept my faith in him. Um, whenever I'd go from school to school, you know, it was never me, you know, taking the easy way out. I was always just trying to look out for the, the best, put myself in the best situation as a person and as a basketball player. The OG. Now, why is that important? Because he's been at Rice. He's been at Villanova. He's played for Jay Wright, who is a national champion coach. And now he's in Eugene. He's 24 years old. He is experienced and he brings a maturity to this team that every team needs but you can just hear it listening to him. He's got a different perspective. He's been through a lot more. He's had to overcome after facing serious adversity. That foot injury was severe. And here he is today with a chance to go to the Final Four and win a national championship. Those type of players you love as a coach because they make everyone else around them better with their perspective, their work ethic, and their toughness. And if you missed how it sounded when the Ducks got past Kansas, this is Jerry Allen. Oregon's going to win. The Ducks are going to the Final Four. 3.6 seconds to make it official. But you can book your tickets. Jack Civil inbound. And that's going to do it. 2-1. Final score. Final Four. Oh, they sound good together. 78 years since Oregon has had this good of a chance to win a national championship. And they will be one of four teams left. Two games away from winning a national title. They've got to beat Carolina and then the winner of South Carolina and Gonzaga. And Chad, we talked about it earlier. This is very important because nobody remembers who lost in the final four. Nobody remembers who lost in the NCAA championship game. Unless you're a fan of that team or you're a fan of the winning team, you remember who you beat. But nobody remembers who Kansas beat, that they had to beat Memphis, or that UConn had to beat Georgia Tech, or that UCLA beat Arkansas. To walk into living rooms of prospective student-athletes and get that instant recognition, you need the trophy, you need the ring. A championship would further transform this program under Coach Altman with the recognition and the ability to go out and recruit even better athletes than he already has. Coach Altman has done a tremendous job. A championship would further cement his legacy and also have all eyes on the program to where we could see a lot more success moving forward as a whole. And in that game, going to Kansas City to play Kansas, Dan Altman talked about that. That's what you do on the road. You know, I mean, 
basically it was a road game for us. Uh, I look at the attendance figures, 18-6, and so we had 600 and they had 18,000, and, and uh, so it was basically a road game for us, and uh, the guys had to make those plays. You know, the guys had to make those plays, and uh, – uh, we did get some lucky bounces on some of those balls, so there's no doubt about it. Yeah, they got some lucky bounces, but they were the better team in that game. And, Chad, in the second half, at like the, I don't know, 12 or 13-minute mark, they started to play not to lose, and it started to slip away. And Kansas got it to six points at one point. And you're starting to think, there's three-plus minutes left in this game. Kansas has, has a shot here. What the hell is happening? And they found a way to hit some shots. The ball did bounce their way. And once they realized that it was starting to slip away, they started to play to win as opposed to not to lose. And fortunately, it was before it was too late. They defend and they play really hard. And I was so impressed because they took the fight to Kansas in a true road game. There were Jayhawk fans all over the place, and the Ducks were the tougher team. They were the aggressor, and they took the fight to the Jayhawks. And I love listening to Coach Altman there. He reminds me of my papa. So calm, so collect. And he always puts the spotlight away from him. Yeah. And we live in a me generation. Look at me. Look at me. I can see you. And Coach Altman is so humble, and he operates with humility, which is unique in today's world. But I love that. It's like that's what you're supposed to do on the road. You go in. You play composed. You defend. You get after it. You do all the little things right, and you walk away a winner. And now as far as you'll be in a road game, you're going to Phoenix. This is as as close as you can get. Duck fans are going to be Seattle. loading the place. They certainly are. We saw how Duck fans traveled to the national championship game in Phoenix when actually in the exact same building as your football team played against Auburn. It's going to be great. You go to Kansas, and this is the way I would say it. If I'm Coach Allman. Where would you guys rather play a game? A neutral site in Arizona against North Carolina or the Jayhawks, a home game in the Sprint Center for the Hawks? Where would you rather be? This is a situation where the Ducks need to capitalize now. It is wide open. There is not one true favorite. I know North Carolina. Who cares? The Ducks can beat anybody left. And they've got a great chance that's right in front of them now. Two more games to go. They can do this. Dylan Ennis on our show talked about the opponent on Saturday night, the Tar Heels. It's the experience. Um, you know, they, they've been there before. Just like we're in the Elite Eight, you know, and we use that as a learning tool. Hey, we're trying to make it back. We're trying to make it back there and win this time. They've been there. They've been to the national championship game. You know, they lost a few players, but their core, you know, played in the national championship game. They know what it takes. You know, to get there. They almost won the national championship game last year. If it wasn't for that shot from Chris Jenkins, they're playing another five minutes of basketball, going to overtime and having a chance to win a national championship last year. They don't want to lose the national title game or in the final four in back-to-back years, just like the Ducks didn't want to lose in the Elite Eight in back-to-back years. And I agree with his assessment. The first thing that jumps out at me about the Tar Heels experience, the most utilized lineup that they've had here in the fi- in the uh, tournament, Features four juniors and a senior. They're experienced. They're hungry like the Ducks are. And they want to avenge themselves after what happened in the title game last year. So that experience is going to pay off for the Tar Heels. It's going to be tough because they'll be prepared. And they're not going to make the mistakes like you would see from a young team on that stage. And why are they playing North Carolina? Seven seconds to go. Here comes Pinson down the center of the floor. Pinson penetrates. Hands to May. 18-footer. Good! With three-tenths of a second to go. North Carolina leads. There you go. 
That was a great game. Great finish. Great action on Sunday. And I just love that battle. I love the way the Cats battle back and put themselves in a position. And North Carolina hit the shot. Point three. Gonzaga, for the first time ever, is going to the Final Four. Here's Mark Few. You know, it's been a long, hard journey to get this program uh, uh, here. We've had a, a great ride all the way through it, and I, I'm just so happy for these guys up here, uh, everybody in the locker room, and all the former players that put the Zag jersey on, and, and uh, just couldn't be happier just uh, for all those guys. And, and uh, had a good feeling all, uh, all day today. Uh, I thought we played really, really well. From guys like Dan Dickow and Richie Fromm all the way through to Adam Morrison and the stash to today, there are a lot of people up there that have played at the kennel that are very happy to be headed to Phoenix. They should be excited. First ever Final Four. And I like this team because they've got size, they're tough, and they play really good defense. Mark Few, like the Ducks, in a great position to win his first championship. And I just like the size. Karnowski and Collins, tough, Trav, yep. tough. And they will beat you up on the inside. The Zags aren't going to back down to anybody. That matchup against South Carolina, intriguing because you have two very mentally tough teams, physically tough teams that like to get after defensively. Yeah, and you got a couple of uh, of Oregon boys on that team too. Uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, I know he played his high school ball at, uh, uh, what, what's the, uh, the, the place in, in Nevada? Uh, Finlay Prep. He played his high school ball at Finlay Prep, but you also have uh, Silas Melson from Jefferson High School. So a couple of locals. Yeah. And well, there are a lot of Zag he's, he's fans. Oregon City, by the well, way. There's a, uh, a number of Zag fans around here. I see them bumping around. They, they, they yeah. have a strong following, and they should with the uh, type of success they've had over the years. You know our good friend Jamie Hudson from CSN? Mm-hmm. She is a very proud Gonzaga Bulldog. They annoy me. I hate going to the Child Center when the uh, pilots are taking on the Zags and they just fill up the Child Center and go crazy. South Carolina is going to play the Zags. Yes. Here is the Eastern European hitman lookalike, Frank Martin. Just unbelievably, just a surreal moment. Um, you, you focus in on chasing young kids around, hoping that they grow up and believe, and, and you end up with guys like these guys right next to me and their teammates that... Uh, have the courage to come back every day and do more. And um, just, uh, uh, I, I'm just out of words. 17 years ago, Frank Martin was the head coach at Booker T. Washington High School in Florida, in Miami. And now he's going to the Final Four. He scares the daylights out of me. Yeah, he does. He, he is a creepy, scary looking dude who looks like an Eastern European hitman. There's a piece of my heart that wants them to win the championship. Their story is remarkable. Frank Martin is a scary dude who is tough, and his team defends like a mother. They get after it, and they're scoring, and they've got Thornwell, who's been one of the more exciting players to watch in the tourney. On to the Blazers, where last night, Damian Lillard was Lillard time. Team against Nawaba. Around a pick by Crab. Pulls up a three-pointer near side. Ring it up. Lillard has found his range here in the third quarter. And so have his teammates. And Luke Walton forced to call another timeout. The Blazers now tied for eighth in the West thanks to an embarrassing loss last night by the Denver Nuggets at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. Mike Malone not very happy with his squad. Embarrassing. You know, it was an embarrassing loss. Awful effort. This is not who we've been. 
uh, which gives me hope that we can hopefully turn the page and get back to being who we've been lately. We've been a very good team, one of the best teams in the NBA. But tonight, obviously, um, for whatever reason, uh, just does not have that competitive fight, the energy, the sense of urgency that you really need to have right now. Yeah, there was no sense of urgency last night. You can't afford. Look, New Orleans is not a bad basketball team. And look, Cousins didn't play last night, but you can't afford to lose that badly. I realize they all count the same, but that was bad. That's why I was so worried about the Blazers having to go to L.A. on the second of a back-to-back to play the Lakers. Classic trap game situation. The Blazers survived and got the win. The Nuggets fell victim to the Pelicans, and now with that, it sets up the ultimate matchup tomorrow night at the Moda Center where the Blazers and Nuggets have the exact same record. Why is that important? If Portland wins, they will earn the tiebreaker by winning three of their four games against the Nuggets on the year, which essentially would give them a two-game lead with eight games to play. That's almost impossible to overcome down the stretch because the Blazers play the majority of their games at home. Advantage Portland, but you've got to go out and take advantage of the opportunity tomorrow. One thing I do know, the Nugget team that we saw yesterday get blown out by 25 points. That Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Team will not show up tomorrow night. They'll be ready to go. Yes, they will. I expect both teams to be at their best. It should be a highly contested close matchup. What a game. Be there. Be there or be nowhere. You think Mike Malone is really looking forward to this big, huge game tomorrow night? He should be. It's big because it's the next game. That's the only reason why. I mean, we, we haven't looked at standings the whole time. We're not going to start looking at it now because it's Portland. We take it one game at a time. The game in Portland is the biggest game of the season because it's the next game, and that's the only reason why. Lies, does, Travis. He's does lying Mike out of Malone, his devil ass. D- does he have brown eyes? It's like, come on, Because he's full of you-know-what up to here. Yeah. That, oh, come on. Are you telling me that really that game doesn't have a little extra meaning to you? So interesting to hear him say that. When Damian Lillard was asked the same question and gave a totally different answer. And, you know, now that we've gotten here in the driver's seat, we got to take it home and um, sustain in our mindset and continue to play the way we've been playing. You know, even at a higher level, it was going to allow us to keep the spot. That's what I'm talking about. He knows it. The Nuggets know it. Coach Malone knows it. Tomorrow night means everything. If you lose that game, you're in trouble. And this game means everything. And it's more than just that. 
because the Nuggets discarded Yusuf Nurkic like a soiled napkin in that trade where they also included a first-round pick. They thought Mason Plumley was the guy to get them over the top, and now the player that they just discarded, Nurkic, is going to be the driving force as to why they don't make the playoffs because he has transformed the Blazers since his arrival. Portland 12-6 and six with Nurkic on the team. I can't wait to see him going up against his former mates. We talked to Joe Freeman earlier, uh, and he was very specific about the improved play of Noah Vonley. Here's what Terry Stotts had to say about Noah Vonley. I like what he's doing defensively and rebounding. You know, I think his ability to uh, switch on to perimeter players has helped us. He's been a consistent rebounder for us, and he's, I think he's feeling more comfortable working the baseline on offense and playing off, uh, playing off his teammates. Last night, Vonley had a career-high 14 rebounds. I cannot emphasize this enough, and I guess the best example I can give is Thomas Robinson, the former Blazer. Robinson could have been the perfect fit for this team if he would have focused on using his energy, his body, to rebound, defend, and create your own opportunities on the offensive glass. But the problem is so many players want to get their touches and showcase their so-called skills on the offensive end. Vonley has had the floor opened up by Nurkic because... You have to pay attention to him, 7 feet, 280 pounds, and got skill. Now, all of a sudden, Vonley's free to operate down low, and he's doing a great job of doing two things. Defensive work, getting the work defensively, and then also realizing that if I rebound and I focus on the offensive glass, I can get extra shots for Dame and CJ, and I can create opportunities for myself with putbacks. He's doing a very good job of playing his role, his emergence is just another example of so many different guys, everybody at the same time playing their best basketball. And it's no coincidence that it's all come together after the arrival of Nurkic. And you talked about Damian Lillard, what he had to say. Uh, we heard one of the responses from Lillard. He also had this to say about tomorrow. Definitely. I mean, it's a, on our home floor in front of our, our, our home crowd. Uh, opportunity to move a game ahead of them, take the tiebreaker uh, outright uh, with them if, we are, if it comes down to the last game. Um, a lot of things on the line in this game. Um, but it's also another opportunity for us to go out there and, and improve and show our improvement. Uh, and we we ready for the challenge. You know, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, it's a real meaningful game. I get, I you get mean coach, it's not just another yeah. game, Dave? I, I understand coach speak and not wanting to let too much in. But at the same time, you're human. And when you realize that something really does have a bigger significance than something else, it's okay to admit that and say, yeah, this one's a little more important. There's nothing wrong with that. This game matters a lot. That's why we're so excited about it. Because you got the Nurkic and Plumley situation, and you've got two teams in the same division fighting for one spot in the playoffs. And whoever wins that game tomorrow has got the inside track. So just call it what it is. Malone would have been much better to just come out and say, look, we got a giant game in Portland on Tuesday. My guys got caught looking ahead to that game. We're going to regroup, and I promise you we will be a different team come Tuesday night at the Motor Center. If coaches would just come out once in a while and just be straight-up honest, like Lou Holtz, every time before he'd play Navy, well, uh, we're, we're really concerned here. This is one of the best Navy teams I've ever seen. Why don't you just come out and say, you know what? I've seen the tape. i got to be honest with you. This team sucks. We're going to kick their ass. Yeah. I'd respect that. There's there's nothing wrong with that no. at all. Well, Chad, there was some other stuff going on in the sports world in this area. Right now, we're watching Oregon face UConn women. Ooh. UConn women are now up. Oh, they uh, Oregon just scored a couple more points. It's 89-52 to 52 with a buck 20 to go in the fourth quarter. UConn's about to win their 
111th consecutive game. Boat race. Yes. Oregon State women, the two seed, they lost. They had an 18-point lead in the Sweet 16, and they lost to Florida State. Not a good way for them to end their season. UConn and what they've accomplished is remarkable. Yes. Also, Oregon State baseball now number one in the country. Chad, they're 20-0. They've started Pac-12 play 6-0. They just swept Arizona 4-3, 5-4, and 11-7 over the weekend. So you know one of my former high school players is a pitcher for Oregon State. So he comes in in the eighth inning against Arizona, tied at one, and he gives up a bomb, gave up two runs, and when he came out, they were down 3-1. Fortunately, they tied it and ended up winning in a walk-off in the ninth. So they're now 20-0, number one in the country. That's pretty cool. Oregon State, number one in the country. This little town, Corvallis, dominating the baseball world. Yeah, Pat Casey doing what Pat Casey does. By the way, a week from tomorrow, they'll be out at uh, Joe Etzel Field on the Bluff visiting the University You're of You're going to be Portland. out there? I will be out there. Nice. Yes. Following well, our short show that day, I'll be out there calling the game. That'll be good. The pilots are struggling a little bit right now, aren't they? They are. That's that's putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, what are they? Four and, like, 20, I think uh. they are. Well, they, they cut half their team last year because they, well, they're four and 19. They cut half their team because they, you know, new coaching staff trying to turn things around. And they've got a lot of JUCO guys, a lot of young guys. Jeff Loomis has them on the right track. Just going to take a while. Yeah, it takes time. All right, coming up next, we will wrap things up here on a Monday afternoon. Get you set for tomorrow. Huge day tomorrow at the Moda Center. We will be out there. And also, something over the weekend that was a really awkward experience for me. Cupcakes. Yes. We'll tell you what that is coming up next. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Well, butter my bread and call it toast. Now, back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. All right, 545, Rip City Drive, Travis and Chad. Don't forget to podcast the show. Just go to ripcityradio.com. Dylan Ennis, one of the better interviews I think I've experienced in quite some time from the Oregon Ducks on the show along with Rob Kloss. Now, Trav, i got to be honest with you. I've learned a lot from you over the last few weeks, and a lot of it has well, to do with your, your upcoming marriage. I'm excited oh, yeah. for you and for Hannah, and I'll, I'll be there, which is cool. But a couple of things I was unaware of. First off, you and her went to a gender reveal party. Yeah, yeah. Her, her best friends, or one of her best friends, they had a little party. It was a housewarming party where they also told us all what it, that they were having a girl. I didn't even know that gender reveal parties existed before you told me that you went to one. People so that get was new really, uh, really elaborate with how they announce whether or not they're having a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some really crazy stuff. There, there are a lot of uh, like Google, you know, just Google uh, gender reveal videos. People go to some really extreme lengths to let you know if they're having a boy or a girl. Now, is that normally something that a dude attends a gender know. reveal party? I don't know. Was that just one of those things you get you get kind of hooked well, was, into going it, to? It was more of a housewarming party, yeah. And they just announced that they were having a girl, so there was some family and stuff for for them, and yeah, it was it was fine. You know, it was a good time. Well, something else went down over the weekend involving cupcakes. What's up with this? Yeah, so uh, <sighs> cupcake tasting. Yeah, so. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing because what the heck is that? Right. So basically, it's like a cake testing. You know, you do your cake testing for your wedding. And we are having a family friend of hers make the cupcakes for us. So she's based out of Vancouver. So you're having cupcakes and not a cake. Right. We're going to have cupcakes instead of a cake. Okay. So uh, in order to taste the cupcakes, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's not a, a big bakery or something like that. So she's got to make them. So she lives up in Vancouver, and her options were drive all the way up to Vancouver, up near your hood. And why didn't you were up in Vancouver and didn't even reach out and say what's up? We didn't go to Vancouver. So oh. instead, this same woman who is a family friend of Hannah's was making a bunch of cupcakes for a baby shower, and she said, "Well." Why don't you just come to the baby shower and try the cupcakes there? Now, it turns out the girl whose baby shower it was for uh, grew up with Hannah, which makes it even more awkward in a way because they haven't talked in a while and she wasn't invited to the baby shower and we just kind of crashed the beginning of it, took our cupcakes and left. Oh, my goodness. How were they? Delicious. So we're going to go with the the Oreo cupcakes, which were phenomenal. They even had like a full Oreo at the bottom of the cupcake. Really? Uh, yes. They baked that in. They baked right in. And the other ones are going to be carrot cake cupcakes. Well, Isaac's a big fan of Oreos, so he would approve of that. My Oreo, son. Oreo anything is my favorite. So you and I, yeah, me and Isaac are on the same page with that stuff. Oreo anything, boom, I'm all about it. I got to, may I tell you a quick Oreo story? Please do. <laughs> this one blows my mind. Having children is unbelievable. So, you know those uh those tracks that you that you stick together, they they kind of fit together, Hot Wheel tracks, and then you can line them up after you get them all fitted together down the stairs or you know, on the counter or you can make a big hill out of them and you put your Hot Wheels on it. Did you ever play with those when you were a kid? Sure. Yeah, of course. So, I busted out the Hot Wheel tracks for Isaac and you know, it was an underwear day. It was on a Saturday. It was underwear time. So, he's in his underwear, I'm in my underwear. We're playing Hot Wheels. And he's a big Oreo guy, has been since he was very little. So I broke him off a few Oreos, opened up the package. He's like, oh, thanks, Dad. And he's up on the stairs playing with his Hot Wheels. And he's got the Oreos. And I hear the crunch and stuff. And I I walk back to the kitchen to do something. And I come back. And I look at the stairs. And I see Isaac. And he reaches into his underwear and pulls something out. That sounds creepy and gross. And takes a bite. And I almost had a heart attack right there. And then I realized... He was storing the Oreos in his underwear so his hands would be free to be able to play with the Hot Wheel tracks. <laughs> so I almost freaked out, but then I realized, it's like, hey, that's called ingenuity. Good work, son. So I was proud of him. Hey, man, whatever, whatever <laughs> makes it happen, right? Now, but, but, but with the wedding, you're supposed to like, there's like a ceremony. You cut the cake, right? So how's that going to play out well, with we'll, the cupcakes? We'll have, we'll have a separate cake that's just for us. So we'll we'll have like a, a little cake okay. that's just for us, and then everybody else will eat cupcakes. All right, now I got it. So you've got a, a little cake for you and Hannah that you will cut for the ceremony, but then everyone else will have a, a Oreo cupcakes that they will eat while you're eating your cake. Yeah, basically. So okay. we, we, yeah, we'll, we'll cut the cake, and then or we'll, we'll cut our little personal cake for us. We'll take one of the slices, put it in the freezer for, you know, down the line, that kind of thing. Like everybody does on our one year anniversary, we'll eat the the slice of cake from from the wedding. But the guests will eat the cupcakes, and it's just it's easier because then somebody doesn't have to sit there and individually cut every piece of cake. If somebody wants the cupcakes, they're there. They're individual serving sizes. It's just easy that way. How 
relieved will you be when you finally get through all the planning and you can just enjoy the wedding? Uh, oh, man, I'll, I'll be. Anybody who's ever gotten married, I'm sure, can speak to this. I have not been married, so I can't speak to this. But I'm very much looking forward to the actual day of the wedding because then all the planning will be done. All that stuff will be behind us. We can focus on being happy, being in love, being married, and move on with our lives and move in together, too. We haven't done that yet. What about main course? What's going to be on the menu? I am going to be there. I'm curious now. Yes. Now, that's, uh, that has not been determined yet. We're still trying to figure that out. You should make your red sauce. I'm not cooking for my own wedding. Come on now. It's an idea. It is an idea. But, I mean, look. What's so, your favorite kind of food? Italian food. What about Hannah? She, well, she, she likes anything spicy, really. I mean, she likes Italian food, but she likes... She loves Mexican food. She likes Thai food. Um, you know, just but anything spicy, whatever it is, it's got to be spicy. All right. Okay. That sounds good. I like that. I approve of the Oreo cupcakes. I might have to try and make some of those for Isaac yeah. now. Now, what, what's, what's tough for her is that she has to eat gluten-free because she has an issue with wheat. So if she eats anything with, with gluten, she's going to suffer for it, and then I'm going to suffer for it, too. You don't so, want that? No, definitely not. So... She has to eat gluten-free. So what we did was for her to try the cupcakes, it was basically my decision because she couldn't eat them. She tried the icing on the cupcakes and then took, like, a little bite. That was, so it's not like uh, people who are severely allergic to peanuts can't even have anything in, like, the same room as peanuts. Yeah. She just can't have, like, more than a tiny little bit of, of gluten. Otherwise, we're all going to suffer for it. Okay. That makes sense. That's good. So it was teamwork then. Yeah, exactly. Okay. By the way, I do have to say this. So the the office pool, right? The one that's uh, for money for entertainment purposes only, not the one that's on uh, RipCityRadio.com. She is in fifth place. The one that she filled out uh, after the dentist appointment while completely high on painkillers. Yeah, that is in fifth place out of everybody in the building, including ahead of mine. I haven't checked the standings. I know I was doing very well. I also compete in one uh, with uh, Tom's Pizza, Tom Cody up there at North Portland. I'm second place, but there's no way I can get to first place because of what happened to Villanova. I got all of my points basically in the first two rounds, but it is what it is. So South Carolina winning the championship would be a good thing for me at this point. Yeah, exactly, because nobody has that. So all it does is knock out the people that would have had Oregon or North Carolina or or Gonzaga. Yeah, Gonzaga winning the title would be the worst-case scenario for me. Now, if Kansas won, I would have won the pool on RipCityRadio.com, and I would have won the pool in the building for all the cash. But uh, Kansas did not win. If they had won, it would have been a very good week for me. Always a lot of ifs So thanks a lot, Bill Self, as always. I just can't believe you're drinking bone broth in the studio with me right now. It smells good. But it's named bone broth. So it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like it just sounds hideous. It, it does sound hideous. Again, it's one of those things that uh, we're trying to eat healthier, drop a few LBs, and it's apparently supposed to help your immune system. Big thanks to all of you out there for listening. It means a lot to Travis and I. Tomorrow, Trav and I will be out there at Moda Center getting you ready, setting the table for the biggest game of the year, the Nuggets and Blazers, right here in your home of Blazers, Rip City Radio.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.